For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Paperwise this morning then you're looking at a story that just jumped in there in the nine o'clock news as to whether or not there will be Christmas lights. There will be Christmas lights uh, on Lisa. Don't worry about that. Um, the issue is for how long every day. Oh, sorry, they won't be on by day. They'll be on by night. Ken O'Flynn makes the uh, front and inside pages of the Echo today. No decision's been made um, with regards to the date that they'd be switched on. Perhaps it might be say, said that they'd be switched on a little later in the month maybe uh, and then um, only for a couple of hours. Like the Echo today is saying that, um, and, and quoting Ken O'Flynn on this matter, it could be a couple of hours in the evening and no more. So the date... But they have agreed, in principle, at least management have. So that's the story Christmas Lights Talks making the, the echo today. Meanwhile, when you talk of Christmas, front of the mail this morning says, start saving up for Christmas. I don't think newspaper papers actually necessarily have to tell people that. They're smart enough and savvy enough to know how much they have to spend. They are saying that households need to start saving for Christmas now. Uh, it's a bit late, I think, to be saving for Christmas now. People would have been thinking about that way in advance of the middle of October uh, because we've had 12 months of non-stop price hikes they're right in that regard and that continues to hit people in the pocket. So start saving for Christmas and they break it down into all of the different things that we have seen increases in uh, across the year. So there are a couple of Christmas stories. The lights, which probably will come on at six o'clock and uh, go off again at half past eight or something like that. There's no point having lights on, but there's nobody in the city, I suppose. There was a lot out yesterday and that included 3,000 students uh, who walked out of uh, lectures at U- University College yesterday. It's an echo story. It all has to do with, um, in fairness, they're actually protesting about a lot more things than just things that affect them directly in college. Like the echo says, the demonstration is against high rent costs, the accommodation crisis and the minimum wage not reflective of the cost of living Uh, so students across the country were urged to stand together yesterday and um, the part of the article that's very interesting and alarming is that in Cork now it can cost over 1,000 euro a month for a bedroom there was a time not too long ago, really not too long ago when an apartment or a house to rent wouldn't have been a thousand euro but now it's a thousand euro a month just for a bedroom and you know unfortunately in some of those cases you're actually sharing a bedroom it's horrific it really and truly is and it's hard to justify uh, how the market as in the rental market can say that that's fair equitable to all uh, apple are given their pays their staff a 9.25 pay rise there's not many companies doing anything like that. It follows on the back of AIB and Bank of Ireland who gave their workers a thousand euro uh, vouchers. Uh, the examiner this morning, now there was um, some kind of talks and negotiations going on for quite some time, so they had to come up with some sort of a pay increase, but 9.25 is fairly substantial plus a one thousand euro uh, voucher. It ends the dispute with regards to pay and conditions for, it's over 6,000 staff at Apple's plants in Cork um, and that's an awful lot and they continue to hire that's an interesting story a positive story for people in the workplace I'll be comparing our minimum wage here in Ireland with all of the other EU countries a little later on this morning if I get a chance we're not too bad we're not the best but we're far from the worst you go far over to Eastern Europe and it drops like a stone Behold, Martin makes many of the papers many people were saying that he was rallying around the team yesterday I think he fell short of all of that uh, I think he fell far short of it but apparently he was talking uh, on News Talk and he spoke of the magnificence of the team he's right there he said there was no malice with regards to the players um, and uh, you know the, the chant he said to quote him I don't believe any 
malice was intended here at all. These things happen, which is fair enough. He could have gone further, though, and he could have said, people need to leave them alone. It's a song. Don't get your knickers in a twist. Uh, but at least he answered the question, I suppose. But meanwhile, unfortunately, uh, we have some other news in that regard now, whereas Ireland... I suppose even as a country, Ireland is being faced with a probe, but it's certainly the um, FAI and the Women's World Cup squad. UEFA have launched a probe after the players belted out the pro-IRA chant after qualifying for the World Cup. So Ireland facing a probe. But at the same time, the Wolf Tones go to number one in the iTunes online charts. Now, they're uh, number one here. Number two in the UK, because... Um, The Queen found some old Freddie Mercury song and released it this week and it shot straight uh, to number one. So wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if uh, Wolf Tones, ooh, ah, up the charts, went to number one in the UK as well as here? Could happen over the weekend, people downloading the song. Sadly, more funerals in uh, Chrysler make the papers today. Young Leona Harper uh, shone brightly throughout her short life and sparkled with energy and fun. That's when her funeral mass was told yesterday and there's very sad and very upsetting photographs making the red tops of her funeral today and also of Martina Martin remembered as Mammy Bear the Mammy Bear of Chrysler apparently buried yesterday also following her death this day last week. She was 49 in fact she worked in the shop where the explosion took place at the service station in the rural County Donegal Village. Goodbye to the town's Mammy Bear, they're saying. And there are many stories then regarding how we live or how we don't live or where we find ourselves in. And you heard the story about the mail saying, start saving for Christmas. People have been doing that for months at least. Children are facing a 10-year wait for school dentists now. Uh, If you thought things were bad, they're going to get a hell of a lot worse. Now, orthodontics have always been a huge problem in this country. It's going to get worse now uh, with, uh, you know, um, bringing more. And it, it, it is right in principle to have hundreds of thousands of extra families and children getting free GP care. There's not enough doctors. We see this morning that there's never been enough dentists. And if you got pop payments uh, during COVID, uh, revenue could be calling because the industry says about 300,000 taxpayers who got pop and the temporary wage scheme, you know, the TWSS, uh, but they owe money on it. And revenue are saying that some people could face a hefty tax bill of up to two and a half grand. And then there's other government departments that make the papers, including the census. They're going to rework the questions on the census. They did a little bit of tinkering in the past to the religious questions. And now they're going to look at sexual orientation. It will be a lot more than M for male and F for female. They're looking at gender identity options. So they're looking at it now. And uh, God, I don't know how many they would be, but there certainly would be a lot more boxes to tick than M or F. Gender fluids brings to mind straight away. And fluidity makes the papers also. Uh, the environment uh, correspondent of the Irish was talking about... Um, Uh, the amount of uh, animals on the planet that are facing extinction uh, yesterday morning. We have 70% less uh, animals, wild animals on the planet than we did in 1970. I mean, it's a phenomenal figure. It's an awful decrease. But they're looking at the status of Irish rivers uh, this morning with regards to pollution. I have to say uh, the Cork rivers are the cleanest, which is nice. They're the cleanest. Um, We're not out of the woods by any way, shape or form, but when it looks at all the rivers in Ireland, we are the best. Unfortunately, the worst happened to be anything in and around Dublin. So you're looking at Dublin rivers uh, heavily polluted. 
You're also looking at, um, you know, I, I think this could be because of maybe farming issues around Monaghan and Louth and, and places like that. But Cork comes out best in that one. Uh, and then there's a couple of sporting related stories. One is the company that provide Hawkeye services to the likes of the GAA uh, and tennis you never think that so much money could be made by a tech firm, but apparently they're making in and around 23 million euro profit per year. It's an incredible amount of money. But there was no Hawkeye, right, back in the day for the hand of God blunder. Now, ever since then, the ref in that match has been blaming the linesman and the linesman has been blaming the ref. But did you know that the referee in the hand of God World Cup game between Argentina and England took the ball home with them. Gary Lineker's wondering, and so am I, as to what in the name of God was the ref doing with the ball at all. Now, the Argentine legend Diego Maradona scored the crucial goal and it knocked England out of the World Cup in 1986. Um, They thought that he headed the ball, but he actually used his hand to knock it into the net and hence the term, the hand of God. And it's been controversial on and off since 1986. But now the ball is up for sale. <laughs> the ball from that quarterfinal match in Mexico is being sold at auction by the referee. And he says, this is a good time to sell the ball, uh, to leave some money for my family, he says, because the proceeds will go to his family. And he hopes that the buyer would be able to put the ball on display and share it with the world. But you got to wonder, is it his? Who owns the ball? Is it theft? I mean, I, I know that in tennis, ball goes up into the crowd, but they have six of them. You can take the ball home. Uh, but I never heard of a ref taking the ball home. Maybe somebody's got an opinion on that. But would you like to know how much he's put on it for reserve? It must sell for at least 2.9 million euro. At least. And you know what? Someone will buy it. They always do. There's bound to be somebody will. Uh, anyway, your thoughts on that, the hand of God. Text 0868104106. There are other stories. I love you and leave you with this one. Um, what I was talking months ago of people, about people who reach over and take something off your plate when you're eating. They are now termed as food bandits. It's a form of banditry and thievery. It's not a prosecutable crime, but it certainly is bad manners. And apparently there's a list of things that people really hate or at least the types of food that people hate having stolen from them by by food bandits. It's all right if your partner does it or a son or daughter or something, but anything else, no, no. I mean, if you're out for dinner with four people and you have a bowl of chips and someone across the table for you, even if they're a friend, reaches over with their grubby paws and digs in to a fistful of your chips. I mean, I know people who say, no, can't eat those. But the most common three items to be nicked from plates, chips, Slices of pizza and crisps. Because you just don't know where those hands have been, huh? Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Okay, it helped. Let me just say, helped knock England out of the World Cup, Nora. Thanks for your text. It was a 2-1 result. But, you know, if there had been no hand of God, it would have been 1-1, I suppose. And the game would have gone on. So who knows what would happen. Can I just mention, talking about sport, there's a much more important event happening on Leeside this weekend. It's the county final. And the Rockies and Black Rock take on the bars in Fimbars in the final. For the first time, Kevin tells me, in 82 years. And he says, Black Rock, Black Rock won the county final in 2020. Um, and that was their first county final win since 2002. Sunday's final is the Bars' first since 1993. So it's almost 30 years since they last won the county final. 
Um, they're also, incidentally, in next week's football final against Nemo. Uh, so they could hold it for the year, uh, the double. They last won the double in 1982. Uh, you're, you're also talking about some of the greats way back in the day, in fairness to you. When the Bars triumphed in 1982... Um, uh, the man in Jimmy Barry Murphy scored a goal in three points isn't that right? Yeah that's right and I suppose you know like the Bars Rockies was a real back that, in the day it's yeah, a and real the Rockies legend then would have been John Horgan wouldn't John it? John Horgan among, yeah among others like. but I, like the Rockies had a brilliant spell I remember when I was a young fella because I grew up in Black Rock and Beaumont well, I went to school in Beaumont and that was the big Rockies school and like they had Wayne Sherlock they had Alan Brown who scored a hat-trick in a county final once he was my idol for about <laughs> a good at least a week afterwards <laughs> in the minds of a young man um, and yeah it's just a great city rivalry you know Toker Black Rock like goes so that's, back along that's so. Parky Cueve like. Parky Cueve that's now so that, I mean that'd be a busy that'd be a lot of people there yeah but uh, uh, like you think about the history of it I think it'll be a great game for neutrals it's a big city final there's going to be a lot of interest around the city so hopefully there's a big crowd in what Sunday. kind of crowd would you think 30,000 40,000 maybe 30 yeah maybe 30 but it kind of depends on like I know the bars will bring a huge crowd down like the bars because you say it's their first final since the early 90s uh, hurling at that level in hurling yeah it'll be incredible won't it I think it's going to be a brilliant game and you know what there's lads there who would have grown up together they would have played hearty cup against each other and with each other there's going to be lads who you know who grew up with each other in different things so there's going to be it's going to be a cracking match like it yeah. it's great it's kind of it's you look I'm from the city so I'm biased in this way but it's great to see like Glen Rovers Blackrock the bars you know those those kind of clubs back kind of at the top of the well, it'd be great to get a list of the players for the bars in 93 and um, for uh, Blackrock as well back in the day where's the stats there well You're Blackrock's last in the 80s final, like yeah I mean 82. Blackrock's uh, last uh, final win was only in 2020 do you yeah. remember there was a kind of a controversy around that after the, the yeah, no, but you know the golden age when they talk of the Jimmy Barry Murphy days like yeah. uh, you know well like, I, like Brian Cunningham was, was one of the players now in the Bars team in 93 who was one of the top scorers in the championship that year Fabulous. Uh, and you know like the, the likes of Mick Barry Billy O'Shea these kind of guys who would you know like it was a time when the Bars I mean when the, the band, when the Bars played the Rockies in 82 I think they had played five or six finals in a row like that's an incredible Can achievement we, once you just get the team from 82 the I, Bars and the Rockies teams from I will, I'm, I'm going to do a bit of I'm doing yeah. a bit of and research we come back to it a little Titan, later on yeah, would that good. be televised I, I, mean, oh, yeah, I imagine so I'd say TG Carr normally would do all the county finals but oh I, I'd my have God. To double double what time I th- 3 o'clock I think 3 o'clock oh but just don't put me on the spot about it they meant to get a, a, a throw in no, time no, for you but anybody who knows will know and they'll all be there it's good it's just it's great even I, I like I'm I'm Blackrock I'm living in Balafian at the moment so I'm kind of I'm putting both pins but they're just bunting everywhere all the way around talk it's great to see like great lift for the for the for the two parishes for the so. parish up the, the parish, parish. Up the parish. for neutrals up the parish a great day parish. for the parish alright yeah. come back to me when you got that bit of stuff done appreciate it take care text 0868 and Neil, Maradona's hand of God was the first goal in the 86 World Cup. I should just keep my mouth shut, lads. I just should. In 1986 World Cup quarterfinal. His second was another goal of fame. Amazing through the England defence before scoring Argentina and they won the game uh, 2-1. Yeah, the hand of God and the ball's for sale for 2.9 million. Now, uh, as I just mentioned earlier on, and I mean it when I say it, I haven't seen such a response in a long time with regards to certainly texts and calls regarding the Eng- the uh, Irish soccer team. The English response to this um, has not been the best. I think, um, uh, does one of the players, somebody told me, one of the Irish players play 
for some soccer team in Birmingham uh, and somebody in Birmingham is having a big f- hoo-ha about it, about the singing of uh, Ooh, uh, Up the Ra in the dressing room. And of course, we know that UEFA has launched a probe as well. So I don't know, can you add any more to that? Is Did I read somewhere also? Uh, maybe Noel knows. Are, is there some sort of a police investigation as well in the UK into this? Good God almighty. This is completely over the top. Noel, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Oh, so this is the latest now. UEFA have a, pl- a probe. British police are investigating it. Are they, What are they suggesting? That it's a hate crime or something? What, any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very, very much uh, looking like that. Uh, it's something like that, you know. I mean, uh, you know, like we, we can see... Uh, I, I watched that uh, game the other night and, you know, you can see those girls... You know that that team. You know they didn't mean anything by uh, by um, singing the song. You know it was just uh, you know they were they were emotions were high and uh, basically they 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 were just singing it. I mean I myself have been in pubs. Um, I'm from Crosshaven and I've been in pubs where that song has been sang many many times. You know and you know pubs. Uh, you know yeah. But do yeah, they sing? Do they sing? Do they sing the national anthem still in pubs? No, no, no. That has stopped. Yeah, you know, you don't, you don't actually hear it in pubs uh, anymore. Like if you, if you had a, if you had a band inside in a pub, uh, maybe a two piece or a four piece or whatever, would they not finish the gig with the national anthem anymore? No. And very, very seldom you don't hear it anymore because uh, I haven't heard it in a long time anyway. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but 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 like uh, the, the other point um, um, I, I I would make on that is then then I mean you know the, this country politically is 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 leaning towards a, a Sinn Fein government at the moment. So imagine two and a half years time. Uh, um, what what what's what's the reaction going to be if the Sinn Fein government? Get in. The reaction to this has been nothing but radio silence. Absolutely nothing. Tumbleweed. Yeah. To the best of my knowledge, they're saying nothing about it. I suppose Sinn Féin are cute enough to know when to stand back and you know keep their powder dry, and that's what they appear to be. Certainly on Lee's side, nobody within Sinn Féin is saying a word because yeah. we've been asking them. But nonetheless, uh, this one is bound to run and run. All right, appreciate that. Thanks, Noel. Mark, good morning. Good morning, Neil. You, you want to pick up on... Yeah, I have a lot of people still wishing to have a point of view on this. Um, one of our callers yesterday was uh, was giving a, a history comparison to Michael Collins you wanted to pick up on, was it? Yes, her name was Laura. It's just a small point. Um, she was um, a Republican, which I view myself as also. But she was, she was, as far as she was concerned, Michael Collins and the War of Independence IRA were the same continuum as the provisional IRA, which were a totally different beast. In that era, I, I think if we're talking about up the Ra, we should we should know which Ra we're talking about. So if we're talking about the the War of Independence IRA Ra, they had all the there was a doyle and there was elections. That a great line to move around, Mark. There's uh-huh, there's yeah. more there's more than two. You're the old IRA, you're the provisional you're the IRA, IRA the real IRA. IRA. The, the real IRA, and, and actually the current IRA still exists. It's our national army, Alex in the Heron. Yeah, okay. So, so when we're saying up the Ra, like David Colnan, he was a Sinn Féin newly elected TD a few years ago, and he sang up the Ra in a pub in Waterford. 
he was singing about the provisional Irish. But does that doesn't that just give you an example of pe- how people just sing these songs? And there's yeah. okay, this was a member of Sinn Fein singing it, so it got a lot more attention because people were saying, "Ha ha." I told you they're the political wing of the IRA. We always knew it. Uh, even... of, the, of the provisional IRA, Neil. Sorry now, I'm not being pedantic. <laughs> okay, okay. This is the important thing. The IRA, I, I respect the IRA and Oleg Aaron, but not the provisional IRA, which were terrorists, shot people, murdered people, indiscriminately bombed them. It's a, it was a totally different... Look, an example, Neil, the Sinn Féin hosted an exhibition, the 1916 Rising in Dublin, in 2016 and everyone thought uh, people thought they were going in seeing an exhibition on the 2000 and the 1916 rising but inside they had a sub exhibition of the 1980s hunger strikers so the whole thing is they're trying to equate the provisional IRA of the of the 70s murderous campaign to to the IRA of the war in okay. and that's all I'm saying. But, uh, okay, but but there, but you you use the term terrorists and murderous campaigns, but you never mentioned the UDA, you never mentioned the UVF, you never mentioned the paratroopers, Equally. you never mentioned the British uh, Army. Absolutely equal. So how are you supposed to? How do you how do you have to fight like with like? They would say, yeah. You have to fight like with like. But you don't indiscriminately bomb people, no. uh, shoot unarmed guardy, bank robberies. Yeah, I know. No. There were a lot yeah, of other aspects. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. It's yeah. a totally, look, we had the ambush in Michael in 1920. And then when they, they bombed the British soldiers across the Carlingford Lock and Warren Point, yeah. in, uh, they wanted to equate them as the same. Another thing that I'm disappointed. I, I know, and just uh, it's a shock and phone line, unfortunately. So, okay, so unless you want to make it really quickly. Well, yesterday the author, the singer of the song, the Wolf Tones, he the, the song is about uh, Celtic soccer club. So look, the poor girls didn't know what they were singing. All I'm saying is that he said it's the up the ra is not necessarily about the provisional IRA. It would be it would be better for all of us if he if we could have that. Not necessarily. It was a quote from the Irish Times yesterday. All I want is that if we're saying up the ra, please can we define what up the ra? Is. Okay, I'm and which? Yeah, which ra? Constitutional Democrat. Yeah. I'm not a supporter of the provisional IRA. Okay, all right. Well, good points. Well made. Thank you. Um, uh, UFA, the uh, UEFA are investigating. British police are investigating because it happened on their soil, I suppose. And a Birmingham MP has asked Birmingham City to investigate. Uh, as well. More on that in a, in a few minutes' time. I was wondering what is or what isn't sang anymore when it comes to social occasions in pubs or clubs or at gigs. One man who certainly will know that is our own uh, great Miles Gaffney joins me by phone. Miles, good morning. How are you, Neil? Okay, so firstly, your your thoughts on this. Um, to anyone that would sing along with you at a gig, so to ooh, uh, up the ra or boys of the old brigade or a nation once again, doesn't make them terrorists. No, well, before we start, this is, I can't even believe I'm on here speaking to you about this, Neil. I think it's just embarrassing. It's absolutely, completely blown out of proportion how something that, with no malice, has been brought into a, a media circus over a song. It's just, 
Well, the here's here, here, that we've come to this. But did um, you to sit back and think about it? We we live in a in an age now where everything and everybody gets cancelled. Uh, whether it's song lyrics, you know, the grief over Shane McGowan's yeah. song "Fairy Tale in New York" as an example. Paintings get cancelled, books get cancelled, statues get cancelled, people get cancelled. Doesn't yeah, surprise me. If, any, if anyone knows that, it's me. In, in the early days, starting out, I was all ballads and all rebel songs before I went down the road of, of songwriting. Um, I've often been on the brunt of it. Many years ago, now, not so much anymore because I don't kind of do it anymore. But I can sing songs, Neil, that like people wouldn't, wouldn't have heard for 50 or 60 years. There's one song I used to sing before, and I still know it. The Tricolor Ribbon O. Um, Is that all around my hat? Yeah, what a song. And you'll never hear anyone singing them songs anymore. No, I'm not My wife's dad used to sing that, actually, the late late Ned Lennon. It was his favourite song, All Around My Hat, I Wear a Tricoloured Ribbon. Yeah, all, all those songs. So, I mean, I've all, like, see, it's Ireland, Neil, and I suppose we, we all have to, uh, you, you throw the line in Ireland, really, and uh, if you sing that song, or if you, you're, you're not going to get on the telly anymore, and you could, you could piss your man off there in the newspaper, and he mightn't give you a write-up anymore. Yeah, so would four, you green field, not, would, would, four, would four Green Fields be in there? Only our rivers run free, a nation once again. I'm just thinking, boys, the old brigade. Oh, hang on. Rock on, rock all, you'll never fall. Are they all non-PC now? Um, well, as I said, I, yeah, I would think so, yeah. Well, I mean, you get your hand slapped if you sang them in the wrong place, I suppose. Or, or do you, you sing them? Approached. Would I sing them? Yeah. Um, from time to time, I would. not. Maybe in a bar. Maybe in a bar. Not at a theatre gig or anything like that, because, you know, I mean, I've got, I'm after writing 60, 70 songs at this stage, and, you know, people that come to those gigs would come to, um, to listen to the songs. No, I know more. that you're yeah. a singer-songwriter. I got that. And your best material is your own material always. But if the Wolf Tones were to announce a gig in Cork Opera House, it would sell out fairly fast. Oh, and, yeah. And that's I mean, what they'd be singing, I'd right? I'd be the first to buy tickets, yeah. uh, Neil. Like, you know, I mean, I played support in Wolf Tones back in the early days as well. Like, but that's know, what they'd um, be singing, isn't it? The songs they just mentioned. Yeah. They'd be singing yeah, Rock oh, On, yeah. Rock All, You Never Fall to Britain's Greedy Hands. Yes, that's exactly what they'd sing, and you'd have you'd have a couple of thousand people singing along with them. Like, I mean, this is our culture. At the end of the day, um, you can't you can't you can't remove this from the Irish people. Um, for an example, Neil, I was at a charity event in in, in, in an establishment in Cork. I won't say the name, right? And I, I was with um, Catherine Lynch from the television singing Barney Walsh, and um, so it was me and Catherine left at the end of the night. And Catherine said, if you will get out, we'll sing a few songs. And there was just a couple of other people there. It was about quarter past 11, and we were stopped from having a sing-song. Why? He just said it wasn't allowed. A sing-song? You didn't even get started? No, no, we, we went down into the lobby area, and uh, we got our drinks. And there was another, maybe 10 there. And uh, my wife had been one of them. And um, we got out the guitar, and... Um, uh, a guy who obviously didn't understand our culture or what we were doing came over and said, "If and um, I tried to explain to him that this is this is the done thing in Ireland. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen a couple." So of he wasn't there, Irish then. He didn't understand. No, no. And I tried to explain to him, and he said, um, "This, listen." He said, if, "If if you do that, he says you, you'd be removed from the premises." Oh my God! In but the end, see- I've ended up putting the guitar away and getting a taxi over into to Reardon's, and you know that's and that was that was that was the night over. Okay. Really, like, do you do you sing? That. Let's say you're in a pub scenario. Do you start or finish with the national anthem? 
Oh, I never, I never uh, would finish a gig, no matter where I am, uh, without the national anthem or my surroundings, for that matter. Um, the national anthem written by Paddock County. Um, would anybody I, take umbrage to it? No. Uh, well, I sang it about two weeks ago, and a guy came over and shook my hand and said it was absolutely perfect ending to the gig. Uh, it was a long time since he had heard it and sang, and thanks very much. Um, I just think, you know. I, all my songs are all written about Ireland, social issues and history. You know, they're not what, what people call rare songs or whatever. They're not, these are just, you know, Irish folk ballads is yeah. what I do. Yeah. Um, and I think when you when you sing for two hours about your country and your people, that is the only noble thing to do is to finish it off with the national anthem. Mm. Um, Shindalaika, I heard you talking about that yesterday. And Shindalaika, well, Laika is is the Irish word for heroes. You know, so I mean, soldiers are we whose lives are pledged to Ireland. Mm. Some have come from the land beyond the sea. You know that that's what it means in in English. And um, well, I some just, have come just, from the lands beyond the sea, and we will fight them to protect our liberty. Uh, sworn, yeah. sworn, yeah, sworn to be free in a more ancient soil and yeah. shall shelter the death. But I'm just wondering, do you know within the music fraternity, those that play gigs, whether they now back away from the likes of Celtic Celtic Symphony or Sean South or A Nation Once Again? Or, uh, you I know, would, yeah, you, you would. I'm going to speak the truth here. Yes, they would. Yeah. I mean, it's as harsh for courses, isn't it? I mean, if any good musician or band would read an audience, they'd read the crowd. They'd know whether to throw that in there or not. Um, you know, I don't see anything wrong but with what's, singing what could potentially happen? But what could potentially happen? I mean, my son or daughter are 28 and 26 years old. And the lads working with me are in their 30s. They, they, I don't think any of them have an issue with songs like that. But some establishments do. And you might have... Um, regulars in an establishment that don't are against it. Like we just saw, we just saw the op- the outcome of this um, incident, and the 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 owners of the venues would would be very familiar of who likes this and who doesn't. Is it about the, and, and the venue owners are worried about the type of clientele they attract? Is it? Exactly, and you know that. Jeez, if you know, we could piss your man off. You know that he's 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 a regular here. He drops a hundred euro a week in here, and here's a man I know, and he's going to annoy him singing songs he don't like. Yeah, yeah. You know, I learned that the hard way, Neil. I did in the early days. You know, I mean, I sat in Dublin a few weeks ago with songwriters from all over Ireland and well-known musicians, and one one fella made a statement, and he said, "Lads, lads, listen here." He said, "We all started off singing the fields of Attenry, the three-card trick." G, C, and D, and we learned how to sing all the ballads. That's where we all started. And do you know what? He was telling the truth. But, you know, I, I, I felt the brunt of it myself. I, I have been pulled after gigs, and I felt there's a few points in them coming over and um, maybe picking a, a lyric of a song. Or, yeah, know, or, um, yeah, the, in the early the days, I had a fellow board, one yeah. I said to me, you called Michael Collins a traitor, he said to me. Um, and I said to him, no, I didn't. I was actually in a band this time, and I said, no, I didn't. He said, you did. I said I didn't. So anyway, it was referred to a song called Take It Down From The Mast. And was this guy and, full of drink like her? What? Yeah, yeah, but his interpretation of it of, of it was that, you know, Take It Down From The Mast is about the Civil War, you know? Take It Down From The Mast, you Irish traitors, is the words of the song. Oh, well, I know where he was coming from, but then again, he's misrepresenting what you're talking yeah, about. So like, like, if you look at it, somebody's texted here, so it's a very valid text. He says, the next thing we'll know is the song Grace will be banned. 
Oh yeah, that, I'm telling you, there's, there, all Irish people, Irish culture, and take it from me, Neil, I'm all over the country writing songs and meeting families and the whole lot. Our culture here in Ireland, we are in serious trouble. Go we on. are in deep trouble. Our culture is. Why? It's been eroded from underneath us. Oh. That's snowflakes, as you said well ago. Um, you can't do anything. You can't do anything, right, Sean? If you sing, as you said, sing grace. You know, I know, I know. I, I've seen reactions from people with the ballad of grace. I shut up singing that rubbish. Yeah, I know. He's not singing that again, yeah. is he? Are you, are you here today to sing ballads? I ain't going away. Yeah. Finish your point there, we're going away over here, not listening to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just not there it's just not for them they're in the wrong venue if that's the case either they're in the wrong venue or you're in the wrong venue but everybody more and more people seem to take exception to everything don't they Uh, there's a letter this morning from an MP in Birmingham she says and she's writing to uh, the chief executive of Birmingham City Football Club she says the purpose of my writing is to ask what investigation Birmingham City Football Club needs to conduct into whether any of its employees were involved in the pro-IRA chanting by members of the Irish Republican Soccer Team, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and they go, she goes on then to talk about the chanting of pro-IRA slogans, glorifying the actions of the IRA would cause huge hurt amongst victims in Birmingham City. She's referencing, of course, uh, the Birmingham pub bombings in 1974. Um, I, I don't know whether any of the Irish players play for Birmingham. I think they do. Um, in fact, I think... Um, I can even probably find out who it is. Oh, yes. Louise Quinn, Lucy Quinn, Jamie Finn and Harriet Scott uh, play with uh, Birmingham City, apparently. And she wants action taken against those players. I, just, I, I, I think it's completely over the top. It's a, it, it, the Celtic Symphony is, a, is an Irish celebration song, whether you like it or not. And I'd obviously at the young fellas, Neil, will come up to me and they say, well, we're starting out there in the game. What do you do? I'll always tell them, learn three songs by the Eagles. Oasis, the Beatles, Johnny Cash. And then when they asked me about the ballads, I said, lads, learn the Celtic Symphony. And if you can't get a crowd going with the Celtic Symphony, throw your guitar into the nearest bin on the way home. <laughs> but that's got ooh, uh, up the run on it. Yeah, that because, but I'm telling you, Neil, I'm telling you, if, if a gig is going against you, honest to God, no. If the gig is going against you and you're struggling, every song is not working, the people aren't listening, you're, you're struggling up here on your own. Go here and fire in Sean Sultan Gary on the boys of the old brigade. <laughs> and who are up there? And there's another one there, uh, the Sam song. And I'm telling you now, if the crowd don't react to that, it always works for me. It often had worked for me. As I say, I don't really do it anymore. But if that don't work for you in an Irish establishment or an Irish uh, hall, pack up, man. Yeah. So what, somebody, somebody sent me something that Joe Brawley posted. I don't know whether it's true or whether it's just uh, taking the mick. Uh, could be true, but I think he's tongue in cheek. Phil Coulter to apologise to Sky News and the British for writing The Town I Love So Well. Is that where we're at now? Or we can't be playing that anymore? Yeah, like, exactly. So who is Phil, Phil Coulter, right? One of the biggest songwriters in the world. Who, who's he? Like, who are we apologising to? Like, the town I love so well is it true? All our ballads are true, by the way. So we didn't make this up. I'd say it's you Joe Brawley I mean? just, um, you know, winding people yeah, up. But, but it, well, oh, just, I do know, spoke to Christy Moore years ago, and this is very common knowledge. Christy Moore backed away very much from uh, the IRA. He was very much a supporter of, you know, the armed struggle in the North. I think he did so after the uh, the real IRA did the uh, bombing in uh, in Oma, I believe, 
uh, and he doesn't play at gigs now as much of the you know pro nationalistic Republican songs as he used to do. Um, that was that was like his watershed. That was the line in the sand when. Uh, I'd say it was in a skillet night, sir. Was it, Enniske, was it Enniske? Thank you for correcting me. So e- even he has seen that it's time to kind of move on, you know? Yeah. And look, I'm all for the, I'm all for the peace. I, I really am. I wrote songs about peace. You know what I mean? And, and, and I'm all for the peace and it's great for Ireland. Um, but at the same time, this is what happened in Ireland. We've been doing it for thousands of years. We brought our songs all over the world. And we sing and we, we honour our people through song. And, and this is this is how we, a man said it yesterday, other countries give out medals and accolades and so on and so forth. In Ireland, we honour our people with songs and glory. Good man yourself. And, oh, and man. We, we, we just can't bow down to people who, who are offended by Irish history. I mean, it is what it is. And as I said, Neil, all our songs are written about the truth. These events happened in Ireland. Good man. Like it Good man. Were you any gig at the weekend? No. I have, um, I have uh, a gig. I, I, I wrote a new album called Soldier On. And um, uh, I'm going I'm to bring it out on November the 12th. Um, I just go, I'm just going to put out social networking. So it's on actually in the Cork Arts Theatre. Um, don't worry, snowflakes, there's no rest on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. uh, no, I wrote, I wrote the album myself and um, I wrote it before lockdown, Neil, and um, it was just, you know, I was just stuck with it. Just sure, so sure, I have another right. album ready to go. So my intention is now get rid of this, get it out, and let's get back to the studio in, in January and. Uh, Get cracking in a couple of All right, man, man. Well, do stay in touch. Good to catch up. I will. Thanks, Miles. As always, great, Miles Gaffney. Take care. Cheers. Claire, good morning. Good morning, Nick. Appreciate you holding so long. Um, And, 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 like, I could could have just parked it yesterday, but the response to this has been so enormous. I want to give people an opportunity to have their points of view heard. So go ahead. I think they've done nothing wrong. Yeah, a lot of others don't, though. They think they have done something wrong. You've got British police now involved in it. Yeah, I don't think they should apologise for it. It happens all over the country. Yeah, yeah. Being sung in pubs. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's probably maybe all very well if we're singing it in our own pubs. It was captured overseas in the UK, shared on social media. They would have a different impression of it. Yeah, I know that. You know? But, 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 but certainly the girls have no blame in this. I mean, there was nothing no, no. intentional I'd about it. I'd say keep singing it. What? I'd say keep singing. Keep singing, yeah. Do you go to any That's pubs? Opinion, yeah. Do you go to any pubs where people no, sing? No, no. I never really go out very yeah. often. Okay, yeah. All right, okay. Appreciate well, that. Street. Thanks a lot. Ken, good morning. No better. Thank you. Ken is on line one. Gotcha. Ken, good morning. Thanks for holding. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? Good. So from soccer to rugby, go ahead. Back in the day, it was just comparison, right? When... Lansdowne Road was being done up. Um, you can remember Ireland played England in the rugby in Coke Park. Yeah. The famous day when the Bull Hayes was crying when the national anthem was played. The English players were educated that week of what happened in Coke Park on Bloody Sunday. The BBC that morning did an hour on the history of the stadium and what happened and everything. The shooting you're people. talking about, is it? The killing of yes. players and spectators, yeah. Yes, yes. Back in 1922 and when, when they, the English militia came in and shot the people. There was, it, they, they, claimed it, they claimed it was reprisals for Michael Collins 
Um, yes, correct. He, he, had, he, went he had a special, he had a special he, hit squad, yes. yeah. Yes. And what they did was... British officials. They actually said, they, they shot the... In, when Michael Collins shot the British Army, they, the, the officers, the, when the rugby game was played in Croke Park, on the BBC, and I can remember sitting watching it, um, that... They had, they had the show previous to it. It was well done. It was um, explained what went on. There was no one side or the other side. They just explained the history of the ground and the whole that went on at the time. Um, it was emotional, as people can remember, the Bullheads on the pitch, arm in arm with the rest of the players, and the tears running down his eyes with pride of playing in Croke Park. Yeah, it was yeah, done, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, there was murder at the time as to whether rugby should even be played in Well, Croke it had Park. to go to convention and it had to be voted and it had to be done and all this at the time. That was the staunch GA said, oh, no foreign game will ever be played on the ground. Yeah. And it was totally hypocritical at the time because the pitch that they had in Croke Park, they bought the grass in from England. I know, but if the GAA so, moved on and Croke Park moved on, yeah. shouldn't we be moving on the then? Yes. Yeah, but you see, okay, back in the day, thousands of years ago, before people could write books and write stories, a song portrayed your history of your country. That's right. And the history of the tales of your family, the tales of the friends, was portrayed through a song. You had balladeers travelling from town to town, village to village. There was no television, there was no radio, there was no No, theatre. No, there was no newspapers, nothing. So whatever happened in the previous town, the fellow moved on and he sang about Sean South, or Sean O'Brien. Yes, Sean South, exactly. That's what was done. It's part of the Irish history. What happened the other night was there was a section of one line that was taken from a song and it went, just spread across the world. Go back to Jack Charlton days with the Irish football team and the buses going to the games. It was told at the time and the players say about it, they used to have the cassettes in on the bus and they had all the Rebel song playing all the time in the bus. Nobody ever said a word about it. Yeah. Jack Charlton even joked at the time, Lord rest the man, that you say he got to know some of the songs and he was laugh at them. Because <laughs> the lads got rebelled up and lifted him up. You think right? we, have we gone you soft, at, do you think? Absolutely. You can't say anything to anybody now anymore. You know, it's going to get to the stage that the colour black was going to be, that colour is going to come out of the system and it's going to be called something else because it's gone. Yeah. You know, he says here by text uh, that nobody ever gives any um, any issue to the orange men who burn the Irish tricolour every July. Nothing is said about that. Exactly. No, it's exactly. And how how do you turn around and have a united Ireland when you have that division on the twelfth of July? You have parade, parades going through Derry, and you're going to say, "Oh, we're all part of the country, but this is our history." How do you balance the weighing scales there to say to somebody, "Oh, you can do it." But we're not going to be offended because we're all in the one country. Sounds as if we're not ready yet for a 32-county republic if this is the response to the Irish soccer team. You and me are going to be long dust before United Ireland happens. Um, It's just not... They sang a song, and to be honest with you, if you look at the ages of the girls, they sang a song that's a party song, right? As you said, it's it's sang in pubs and all that and if you did yesterday you had the author of the song on right yeah. and you read it it's about a Glaswegian who was depressed and he saw graffiti on a wall yeah. it's taken completely out of context and it's got to the stage that British TV is so soft that you say anything and they're offended okay just uh, I, 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 yeah I know I, you know like 
Yeah, I, I, I just want to play a little clip actually ahead of the news, if you don't mind. And it's another example yeah, no of problem. us not needing to be educated, but actually British media needing to be educated. But, but Ken, thanks for calling from Spain, I believe. Is that right? Yes, um, yes, correct. All right, my man. Good to have listeners overseas. Appreciate you taking the call. Thanks so much. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Claire. Thanks, Miles. So this apparently is uh, Sky, Sky Sports presenter. Same guy. Is it Rob Booten? Is it the same guy? Uh, talking to the Irish rugby league player, Brian Carney. Uh, about playing for um, <laughs> playing for Great Britain apparently that's what he said have a listen Brian Carney joins us live right now there he is very good morning to you Brian only one place to start and that's the return of Great Britain test confirmed against New Zealand Tonga and Papua New Guinea first overseas tour since 2006 ah you remember it well you were part of that touring party what's it like can we start with a geography lesson and a sovereignty lesson as well, please? It's Great Britain and Ireland. Unless they've changed it and haven't given me the memo, I, I saw a quote included from the Irish Rugby League chairman yesterday welcoming the return of Great Britain and Ireland. He was the only person in the whole of the press release to reference the fact that an independent country, Ireland, is also part of this makeup. Unless that's changed, I'm going to go with Great Britain and Ireland. But Rob, it's absolutely good to see this brand back. It is a huge brand in international sport and of course in rugby league and I was a very proud Irishman to pull on that shirt considering the people that had played in that jersey beforehand I had some great experiences some of my best experiences playing rugby league were playing in that jersey and playing with the the creme de la creme of, of the Irish the English the Scottish and the Welsh players that were available I have to say time. fair play to him fair play to Brian Carney he could have just ignored it and moved on and answered the question but he didn't he had the courage of his convictions to correct him and right so, but there you go. So, who needs educating? Back after 10. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national, and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Winner of two golds at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. The Neil Prendeville Show on, a free on food, Cork's Red FM. On a free food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Perry Perry, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So being Friday, it's your opportunity to scoop food for at least 15 of you. I think it would feed up between 15 and 20 people. Roosters give so much. Chicken wings, chicken skewers, beef skewers for the starters. And then the main events, chicken wraps, chicken pittas. And lots of beef burgers. you got the peri-peri sauce. you got the peri-salted fries, the rice, the waffle fries. And you can build your own cheesecake as well with lots of different toppings. Courtesy of roostersperiperi.com. If you're looking for some food at the weekend, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106. And we'll start the shout-outs in about 15 minutes' time. Uh, just a couple of uh, issues regarding housekeeping uh, from things that we did a little earlier on this morning. Of course, we got a big game at the weekend. Um, and I was wondering as to whether or not uh, the Rockies and the Bars match will be televised. Thanks to everybody who got in touch. They're saying... The Cork Hurling County Final on Sunday is not on television. Uh, the County Final is at 4pm and it's not going to be on TG Cahar. Don't know why. I mean, it certainly should be. Mind you, I am told that the game is at 4 o'clock on Sunday and it's being streamed live by the Irish Examiner. TG Cahar are not showing it. They're showing a game in the Dublin Championships at the same time. Well, isn't that just enough to absolutely wreck your damn head? But there you have it. So I guess it's happening online um, on the Irish Examiner's website. So the county final is not on TG Cahar. It's on the Examiner Facebook page, says Jimmy O'Brien 
in Toker. So at least you'll be able to see it uh, and you have a bit of advance notice if you want to watch it online. Thank you to everybody who got in touch. Also, what are you going on about Apple giving their staff a pay rise for? They can well afford it. Haven't they 13 billion in a bank account that our government won't take off them? Inflation is running at 9%, so the pay rise is actually nothing special. It may not be, but there's a lot of companies that uh, are not giving any wage increases to staff when they could well afford to give it. Um, so, I don't know, you can't win. You can't win, uh, particularly if you're playing live music in a pub. Miles is very nice. I play guitar. But in a pub situation, people need to understand that it's not always okay to just start drowning out people's conversations with music that they didn't come to listen to. I myself find it quite irritating when I'm having a pint and a chat and people start telling everyone else to be quiet while some chap starts making cat noises in the corner. A bit of manners, please, and understanding from both sides, says Noel. Fair play, I understand that, but you did go to a pub on the night when somebody was actually paid to play music. There was a gig on. Um, I'd follow Miles all around because I always know what he's going to sing. And then others saying, yes, we do play the national anthem in West Cork. We always finish the night with the national anthem West Cork all the way. Keep those texts coming and calls as well after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Well, you can talk about the hunger strikers in 1981 and wonder how many of the current generation of young people actually knew what was going on back then, that people gave their lives, uh, the likes of Bobby Sands and lots more besides. Uh, but I, I often think about why we should have to um, uh, be apologists or forget our past or forget where we come from. If you just don't mind for a second, uh, the week I was off, it was to do something that I had wanted to do for many, many years and never got an opportunity to do it until until last week. And that was to go to a place called Urador sur Glan, which is down in the Limoges district of France, nearly in the centre of France. Urador sur Glan, because in 1944, in the day was June the 10th, uh, 1944, the German SS Nazis uh, rolled into the village of Urador Soglan, and apart from something in reason of five or six people who managed to escape, they massacred the entire village. Small little town, beautiful town, gorgeous town. It had pubs and it had restaurants and it had hotels and it had, it had garages and it had coffee shops and hairdressers and it had wheelwrights and it had carpenters and mechanics and it had families. It had everything that had thriving little town would have, but every single one of them, man, woman and child, were massacred on the afternoon of June 10th, 1944. In fact, one of those that died was only a 10-day-old baby. Uh, They split the men and the women and the children into different groups and all of the men were taken to five or six different barns or up against the gable ends of people's houses and they um, sprayed them with machine gun fire in the legs. Uh, it got crueler than that, actually. They sprayed them with machine gun fires in the legs so that the men and the boys and the young men and the young boys collapsed on the ground. And then they set them on fire. Um, so, And they couldn't crawl away because of the damage from the uh, machine gun fire to their legs. Uh, meanwhile, in the church in Urador sur Glan, they took 500 uh, women of all ages and very small children and babies and some of them in prams and they put them in the church and they did the very same thing. Sprayed them with bullets in the legs and set all of them on fire. Maybe four or five. Five, I think, people escaped to tell the tale. But Urador Soglan was never rebuilt. Um, it sits now today, as we speak, the very same way it did 
on the 10th of June in 1944. And uh, the, the General de Gaulle went there in 1945 and said that this must not be rebuilt. It must be left as it is. It has to be a memorial to the French people who lost their lives here and a memorial to the world uh, in times of war. Um, I, I don't need to dwell too much on, on the reasons why they left it as a memorial. I think I've said enough to explain as to why it is. But it sits there. Um, and you wonder in the world that we live in now, uh, would there be calls for the likes of Orador or Glan uh, to be taken down and demolished um, because it's offensive to others? But the French would never consider that for a moment. It is a national memorial. People travel from all over France or indeed all over the world uh, to see it and to witness it. And uh, it's to me, it's, it's right up there with the same kind of experience I got when I went to Auschwitz and Birkenau and... I was at the killing trees of uh, Cambodia and also when I, when I traveled in, in Vietnam and, and things like that, they remember. Uh, and I'm wondering as well, should we just be very careful that we don't forget every single thing and everything that we've come from? It's just a thought. And I was thinking of Orador Sorglan over the past 24 hours and people are talking about, oh, it's the past. We need to move on. Well, they haven't. It's a protected structure. They never rebuilt it. And it's a memorial. And for me, it's a memorial really to the absolute waste of time. Um, when people go to war and kill each other because it solves absolutely nothing. And some would say, oh yeah, but you know, you know, the Germans of today were not the Germans of 1944. I, I understand all of that. Of course they weren't. And the sons and daughters and grandchildren are as ab- find it as abhorrent as perhaps the rest of us do. But it happened and they remember it. Text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines because a lot of calls on this. This isn't about me. It's about you guys. Uh, Natalie is standing by. Patrick first. Patrick, good morning. Hi, yeah, well, I mean, I suppose it's, I mean, if a loyalist team in the North was, was singing someone, the, the UVF anthems, the uproar of Glasgow Rangers are doing it, I mean, and as regards the Sky News presenter, like, well, he's, people took him up wrong here saying, like, a history lesson, like, Oliver Cromwell or the famine or blah, blah, blah. He was saying, like, people in England think of the IRA, people who remember the IRA, like, people over 35 years of age in England remember the IRA from, like, the bomb attacks in the pubs in Birmingham and Guildford and bomb attacks outside Harrods Department store. Yeah, but I could list to UVF and UDA and British paramilitary as well, you see. Yeah, but, I mean, yes, I mean, but, I mean, the IRA killed most people and most civilians and the UVF were bad as well as lost psychopaths, but they weren't as well armed as the IRA. And as regards, I mean, I've heard this song years ago and everyone knew it's for the original IRA and you mentioned Christy Moore and he took a step back after the skill and he, he examined did. himself. Yeah. But your man you had on yesterday, Brian Warfield or Derek Warfield, whatever. Brian. Yeah, I mean, like, I knew someone, lady, years ago, and she said she was at one of his gigs, Tipperary, just back in the time of the Troubles, and there was people going around with a bucket, and it was saying for the prisoners, collecting money, you know, for the IRA prisoners. In the and 80s, that would, was it the early 80s? I think it could have been the 90s, could have been the 80s, but they were notorious. He was saying for years he wasn't allowed an RT. Because everyone knew him and his band supported Prisional IRA. That's where their music was. Announced. Yeah, but you must remember at the time you had um, Republicans, the likes that we call maybe members of the IRA, on hunger strike. You also had the H block um, and, and the, uh, yeah, the dirty well, protest because the likes of Margaret yeah. Thatcher would not would not recognise them as political prisoners. Well, there was a compromise that after that, you know, they got what they wanted, most of what they wanted. And, I mean, like, the time the hunger strikes, I don't remember, but I remember reading the Belgian documentary. I remember that, it. That a woman, 
the, the IRA and Sinn Féin said, we're not caught with the census minority. And the woman, she's around Derry, collecting the census, and they got a gun and they blew her head off and they killed her. And she was a husband and child, you know. And they did a lot of people, Protestants. Okay. And this, I know. Yeah, and they did a lot of atrocities. I mean... But why then do you think people... Like, to quote you, you're saying, the guy on Sky, Wooten, made a comment about, is it time for... The history list. Look, he didn't No, mean, no, he to be history. re-educated or something. No, no look, look, most people over under the age 35 don't remember the Troubles and the median average age of the Irish women's team is 27. They don't remember the Troubles and all the atrocities. I remember the tail end of it, the early 90s, mid-90s. He was saying, like, they need to know that, that like, some of them think it's frivolous. A lot of the younger people nowadays think, oh, well, up the rats, all frivolous. I think, like, Sinn Féin are projecting that the Troubles was justified or it was romantic, it was like 1916 and they know their choice and People don't remember. I can remember what the atmosphere was like. You probably remember more than me. Yeah. That people, if they're on the radio, people are killed. Not a person, innocent person killed. Not a UVF kind of shop, kill a lot of Catholics. Diary went, but there was a bomb. There, yeah, I know. And, and, and a lot of Protestants. Yeah. And they shank it all the fish shop. I know. And, that's, and that? to some extent, that, that is history, I know. And, and uh, don't mean to cut across you, but I, I do recall in the early 80s, the absolute fury, actually hatred of, of Margaret Thatcher when all of this was going on. And, and yeah, you could feel the tension talking. in the air in Cork in the, in the early 80s when one after the next hunger striker was dying. It was, it was really very strong, very, very but emotional. Some of these hunger strikers were angels as well. I mean, Francis Hughes, I mean, he was involved in a lot of atrocities and bombing attacks and killing and some civilians as well. I mean, I mean, I, mean, I remember Bobby Sands' sister was on documentary years ago and she went, she rejected Jerry Adams and Good Friday in Peace and all that. And she said, like, she was embittered because she said they had fought the war for 30 years or something. They could have got it at the start, which was just power sharing with the unionists and a few cross-border. Yeah. Well, bodies. like if you, I know, and we're, we're delving into history as well in this now, and maybe this isn't the time for that. But even in the 20s, we had similar kind of atrocities going on. And then the Irish Civil War, when de Valera refused to take the 26 The Civil War was worse than the war independence. Yeah, but that, but it's, I mean... Look, the majority of the people in the North didn't support the IRA. They supported John Hume, the nationalist people. Yeah. And down here in the South, I remember the tail end of it, like Sinn Féin, the IRA, they weren't very popular with people. And Jerry Adams, he wasn't very popular with most people, you know. And, I mean, people, the younger generation don't remember the troubles. I don't remember all the atrocities. And, I mean, people of a certain age in England and Ireland remember what Sinn Féin and the IRA did. And yeah. People might be people might be interested to know that way back in the earlier days of my broadcasting, for instance, and Sinn Fein could well be in section government in two years' time. Yeah. It was a section twenty one, I think it was. Or was it thirty one? Was it section yeah. thirty one of the broadcast? I wasn't allowed to talk to uh, Jerry Adams on the air. In Britain, um, in Britain, they did a funny thing. They did a voiceover. And they did voiceovers. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he was he was prohibited prohibited from talking on the national airwaves or any airwaves whatsoever for that matter let, let me just get Natalie to jump in on this you can hold on if you want Patrick Natalie good morning good morning hi how are you you're Irish grew up in England um, yes. yeah what, what were you taught in school we were actually taught very very little um, the main things we were taught were that the Irish were essentially terrorists and um, kind of we were kind of painted out to be very uneducated and um, you know like we were seen as like haughty haughty how you know top of the morning to you how's it going and all this like we just drink a lot and um, they had a caricature of us like Punch magazine did back in the 1800s we almost had gorilla heads on us like essentially and they actually had one very insulting 
kind of line towards the Irish, whereas we were seen as the blacks of Europe, which is kind of saying that we're the minority at the time. It was awful to hear, even now, like it shouldn't even be a thing, but it still is. What decade was that? Um, that was that was actually only the early 2000s. Yeah, but it's from it's hard for me to believe that 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 wasn't being taught though that kind of narrative in a school that we were terrorists no, no. or Neanderthals. Oh, it was being taught as in like you know as in they, they were bombing everywhere and then the British kind of saved the day in the way that they arrested a lot of them. The Good Friday Agreement, but that was pretty much the entirety of what we were taught about it. So when I was growing up and people knew I was from Ireland, a lot of people would kind of ask me about. You know, why, why did he bomb us? Like, he gave us a lot of grief and all the rest of it. And I didn't really know too much apart from what my parents told me. But um, when I did eventually come back to Ireland then, and um, I was, like, I hadn't even seen Angela's ashes or anything like that. So I started actually looking into the history myself, and my friends here would show me things and tell me things. And um, I was just shocked and appalled at how much I just did not know about what happened between England and Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all the way through, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I do think this kind of thing about the song going on at the moment. I, I really do believe that like English people are highly uneducated as to what actually happened and what took place outside of the fact that Irish became terrorists and they got arrested by the British. Mm, mm. So, and and so and so with regards to the Irish women's soccer team, your thoughts on that? Then again, again, this was a chant and it was on in, in English on English land, English territory. Like, I, I do understand it because the IRA did a bit of destruction over there, you know, with the Birmingham um, bombings and stuff. But like, at the same time, I don't think an apology is warranted. I blew think up Harrods as well. Blew up Brighton when the Conservatives were there. They did a lot more than just Birmingham. Yes, yes, just, just Birmingham as an example. But um, I really do... I don't think there's an apology needed more so as an explanation as to what the song is about. So the education should be for us to educate them as to what happened. Even to educate themselves, but I still don't think yeah. an apology is warranted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's my standpoint really on the yeah. whole thing. Um, so how, how was life other than that in the UK as a young girl outside of school? I was talking yesterday it, with people who were name-called and things. It was fairly pleasant. Like I was mocked, but in kind of more of an endearing way, you know, and, I, you know, that that was it really, but outside of that, it was that it was fine. It was grand growing up there. Um, I had no issues with being Irish over there or anything like that. Good. Um, yeah, so as as usual, as you would expect a childhood to be. Thank you for that, Natalie. Thank you as well to Patrick. Uh, meanwhile, it is a free food Friday today, so keep your text coming. Text 0868104106. Uh, there could be food for at least 15 of you, courtesy of ourselves, and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. Morning to the Irish Guide Dogs for the Blind on the Model Farm Road. To everybody in Enable Ireland, the adult services in Little Island are listening. So is everybody at Donsworth Office Supplies in Forge Hill. The lads in Premet Fabrication in Powleduff. Lehan Motors, Ross Oil and Fernands, GRP Roofing and Supplies on the Tremor Road today. Uh, everybody working at Ready Mix Trucks for RPC Haulage. Good morning to Ross. He apparently, he's always hungry. Scrappy and everybody at Cork Metals in Dublin Hill. Smurfit Capper are listening. The staff in Tusla at the North Point Business Park. Agricultural and Metal Systems listen all of the time. Rockwell Engineering in Claheen. Everybody at ATS in Carrigaline. The Alzheimer's Associate Society in Besborough. And a few more Dunn Stores staff in Carrigaline are listening. Morning, Caroline. To the Matter Private Hospital who are listening, particularly the Heart and Vascular Department. 
Department, uh, the Gold Reserve on Castle Street, McCarthy's Family Butchers, Hawks Road, Bishopstown and Grona Braher, Twilight News in Patrick Street, Paul Street and the Bus Station, the Dispatch Team in Roadstone, Easy Living Interiors, Stripe Tellus in Blackrock and O'Connell's Butchers in the Lock. So good morning to you all. We'll do another bunch of shout-outs in a half an hour. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104 106. Red FM. I don't know how much of a, 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 a outrage there was, for want of a better word, when Nigel Farage did his thing. Do you remember this? This message is for Brian Kelleher, Brexiteer. And I hope you have a great birthday. This comes from your good friend, Abe. Now, it's a bit early in the day, so all I've got actually is coffee. But I hope you enjoy a few pints with the lads tonight. Up the ra. Remember that? I think he was doing these call-outs for birthdays and things like that and greetings to people. Morning, Neil. I sang a song about Jack Doyle in a pub in West Cork once. A man came up to me and said, Did you know you're singing about a wife beater? I never even thought about it. These girls sang that song totally innocently. The sad thing is another one here that the loyalists up north are having a great laugh at all of this. They couldn't take the fact that the ladies qualified for the World Cup, I suppose. This nonsense goes on because of the look down by the British upon us. How dare that interviewer say we should be educated. If the Wolf Tone song is not officially banned, then what is the problem? you got to wonder, will that happen next? Number one in the iTunes charts here is number two in the iTunes charts in the UK. Will somebody now call for it to be banned? Who knows? UK police investigating Irish girls? What a shambles. I bet bet the police who investigate don't know their history. Maybe they should investigate Rob Wooten for being a bully. He wouldn't ask Roy Keane that question, I can tell you. And I can't help wonder why. Um, Back to the text and phone calls we go. Um, uh, PJ standing by. First up, James, good morning. Morning. How are you? Yeah, I did reference the Orange Order singing uh, an horrific song about the McCreevy family. Uh, But there was a lot of grief over that. For a short time, it blew away very quickly. I didn't wouldn't have got the coverage that this one got. Yeah, and didn't get to, didn't go to a police investigation or anything. Well, you think like with the with the English at the moment, they have enough on their plate of mistrust uh, to to fill the front pages rather than this sort of rubbish. I mean, that was that was a rehearsed song that was sung about the Kayla McAreevy. And there were young and old people at it. It was not in the heat of battle, if you want to call it that. It was a, it was a, a, a rehearsed situation in an orange hall at a party. Yeah, a song that had to be learned, actually. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't something that would come to be your tongue because there was a verse in it, at least, if not more. And it was targeted about a specific person who was named. So, like, I mean, it's amazing how how it's sort of okay for one lot to go down that road. Like they should listen to some of the chants at Rangers and Celtic matches. Are they bad? See, I wouldn't know these things. Are they bad? <laughs> some of them wouldn't be great now. You'd have no doubt like who they were talking about and what they were referring to. Like even at Rangers and Liverpool, I think the other night there, were, there was quite a bit of chanting. Didn't Gascoigne get into trouble years ago? Was he playing for Rangers for a spell or something, wasn't he? It was, yeah, and he played the flute. Yeah, he taunt, and was that seen as a taunt towards Celtic or... Yeah, it was, yeah. It was the, the, um, the orange man. Yeah, yeah. Now, he did get into trouble for long because he was Gaza and he was mad and all the rest of it. Yeah. Of course, al- allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. But, like, it, it certainly seemed to give them an opening, this particular incident, to um, just have a bash. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah. Now put things you like be put things in perspective, like like have have one rule for all, not selective as this seems to be, is it? Well, I think what happened was one of the junior juniors on the team just just videoed it as they do, and didn't even realise what was happening. Naturally, put it online, and it took off from there. But isn't that another example of the innocence of young people? They didn't even know what totally. it signified. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. But you can, I suppose, you can throw anything out of proportion if you really want to, and if there is an agenda, and if it's a quiet news week. True enough. True enough. Oh. Ah, yeah, but the police now and UEFA and everybody oh, right yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the UEFA. Well, I suppose the police have to and UEFA have to if a complaint is made, don't they? They would have to, but like I mean, the UEFA would be a little bit disturbing because if they get, they, they could get a penalty. Like I mean, UEFA throughout hundred grand, no problem, or or uh, away matches, or home matches suspended and things like that. You know, so if they make enough of a fuss about that, you'd be a little bit worried about that. They would be a little bit worried about that one, like. Yeah, know. but would you, how worried should we be? I mean, it, you're not suggesting that it could be thrown out of the World Cup kind of thing, no? Oh, I don't think that would be ridiculous. Like, I mean, okay. it, it's not, not, it's not a huge issue. It's not. Nobody was personally offended. You know. They were, no, we no they were. The DUP were offended, and I imagine people in the UK, in Birmingham, were offended. It seems. I lived in Birmingham when the bombing was there. Did you really? No. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Did. You would be you. You would feel isolated, very isolated. You would. I would never be ashamed of my Irish accent, but I would have been very cautious. Are you keeping your head down then? Yeah, I was working on the transport, and um, naturally, I had to interact with ninety nine, ninety five percent of of locals. Uh, and I, I suppose you, you would be you would be wary. You're always hearing yourself for. Uh, 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 an interaction, you know. Anybody say anything uh, to you? Never, never actually. But I wouldn't talk much, and my accent is kind of neutral. Yeah. So they they didn't they didn't maybe tag on to it, and it was always in a noisy envi- environment. I was working, but we wouldn't have gone out at all then. We just wouldn't go out at night, even to the Irish pub. How do you feel know? as an Irish person in Birmingham when the IRA w- did what they did? What were your emotions at the time? Well, you see, for that sense of time, I was only just eighteen, nineteen. 20 that age with the way that the press and the, and the media uh, present things there you would almost think there are two sides to this or am I getting the right picture or is it as bad are the soldiers suffering as much as they're allegedly suffering or is it so one-sided like, I mean they would, they would brain drain you almost with the, with the constant jargon you know, there was no there was no sympathy shown towards the others at all, mm. and it was uncomfortable. It definitely was uncomfortable. Mm, okay. And there was a lot of Irish living in in, in from at the time, like absolutely, you know. yeah. There would be Birmingham, they, Manchester, they Liverpool, huge, London. Huge, like yeah. there's a section of Birmingham, Sparkill and Sparkbrook, and that was virtually all Irish or first first generation Irish. But it did upset like for quite a while, and it lasted. It wasn't that it went away overnight. It lasted for quite a while, you know. I know. I know. All right, good Shocking. stuff. Uh, thank you for okay. that, James. Take care. Text now at six eight one zero four one zero six. Maybe I'm getting ahead of the posse with regards to the Irish soccer ladies. I have a beautiful song that I sing at parties. It's called "Only Our Rivers Run Free." Says Eilish in Waterford. Um, thank you for that. Uh, you know, you're questioning as to whether or not you should continue to sing it. I would continue to sing it. I mean, I'm quite sure that you would agree. Uh, the crazy situation over the Celtic Symphony, Celtic Symphony. It's after been taken out of proportion. Um, Brian Warfield wrote the song as he imagined himself looking at the graffiti on the walls around Celtic Park 
and Up the Ra is a part of the graffiti that he saw. The song was written to commemorate 100 year anniversary of Celtic FC. Uh, I think Vera Paul let the players down. She should have faced the press instead of leaving the girls to be quizzed about her stance. She said that she didn't know the relevance of the songs with Irish connections to soccer teams in Scotland. After all, she was the manager of the Scottish women's team uh, for six years. Uh, well, you know, let's not, let's not any of us start pointing fingers of blame, shall we? Because uh, we'd be, be as bad as the rest of them. The majority of nationalists in the six counties supported the provisional IRA and they voted Sinn Féin into power in the six counties. They employed the same tactics as the old IRA. They were endorsed by the people. There can't be double standards. Uh, actually, we took to the streets of Cork yesterday. Seamus went out yesterday afternoon to ask the people of Cork what they made of this furore surrounding the chant. Um, you know, a question like, is there still a place for these kind of chants in sport or is the whole thing being totally blown out of proportion? Well, I'm from Donegal. I know what happened up there. And forget what... Get a bit of trouble up there with. We all, I'm too familiar with friends that are involved. So you but, think it was a bad choice oh, of songs? Very bad, very bad, very bad. Very bad. Whoever sponsoring the soccer team should cut away the sponsorship. Ah, uh, that's the best song in the country. Ooh, I hope to uh, I think so, anyway. Do you think it's got a place in, in, in sport? Rebel songs like that? Ah, uh, God, it does, yeah. But, uh, once they're having a laugh. Once they're having a laugh, they've had it, isn't it? People should be allowed to express their own opinions and um, if your opinion is upsetting to some people then sure, then those people are upset but you, you can't please everyone all the time and, and to say that you're not allowed to do this, you're not allowed to do that because it upsets some people here and it upsets some people there I'm not saying I agree or disagree with what the Republican songs are but I... I think that to condemn people for for doing it is is not a good way to go as a society because where do you stop? It's hard to feel any particular uh, pity for British media feeling hurt done by by a song that is nationalistic. Um, I don't think the words intended to be harmful or offensive. I think they were intended to be celebratory and done in good nature. Um, And I think it's pretty hypocritical for any British media to be looking down upon Irish uh, footballers, um, especially on a big occasion. definitely overshadowed it and it's been unnecessary. I think people should be allowed to celebrate in any way they can as long as there's no violence. You know, in any way they wish. They can sing whatever they want, they're not harming anybody. They they sang a song, there was no one injured, Mm -hmm. no one killed, so, you know, on the day. They're blowing it out of proportions. They're blowing it out of all proportion. It's a great day for ladies soccer, a great day for Ireland. I'm an ex-soccer player myself for Passage West. Trials for Cork City, trials for Cork years ago. Fiona Crowley is my own name. Fairly well known in Passage. But um, I wouldn't think there was any harm in quite the song, to be honest, to be fair. They were amazing, amazing. And I think all this hype about what they were singing, we should be embracing the win, really. I thought they were fantastic. So you think it's blown out of all proportions? I do. I do. To be honest, I do. Yeah, definitely. I watched the match, actually. It was brilliant. Would it have been better that the FAI just came out and made a statement rather than the actual coach and, and, the, coach, and, and the footballers? Probably, I Should think. we keep politics out of sport? I think so. Definitely. Definitely.
we should keep politics out of everything. They shouldn't have had to apologise for them taking that one. Yes. Men don't, boys don't have to apologise to them. If they won especially, they should yeah. celebrate it. Like, no they can sing, they should be able to sing whatever they want. You <laughs> can. Right, I'm a clue I can't get on a men's football team, no matter <laughs> women. So the only sports injury I ever got was uh, splinters from sitting on the bench. My uh, God. And what do you make of the women's football team being no criticised for singing Ooh, uh, uh, Up the Raw? John Moss's name did it years ago, didn't he? The head of the FAI, so... I suppose it's the second time. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a call shot. I don't know. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 Cork's Red FM. Talking a few a little while ago about my trip to Orador Glan and the massacre of the entire uh, village, June 10th, 1944. Um, if you're anyway interested in that, my Instagram page has some videos and some photographs of the village. I didn't mention earlier on that when they were finished, uh, the carnage and the massacre, they burnt the entire village. But it sits now as it did back in June 10th, 1944. And you'll you'll see little sewing machines inside in houses and you'll see uh, wash basins. You'll see the ovens of a baker. You'll see um, all sorts of different day-to-day equipment that people, cars where they were parked, for instance, the doctor's car. He was on a, he was on a call to a sick patient at the time and his car remains there now as it did on June 10th, 1944. So those pictures and videos are on my Instagram page should you wish to have a look. Back to the phone calls we go though. PJ McNamara has been waiting and many other stuff as well. He's not there. He's actually on one. My apologies for that. Let me get to line one. PJ, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, you have the floor, my friend. I'll keep my mouth shut. Right, okay. I didn't see anything wrong with the ladies' team singing that song. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about uh, predominantly Irish uh, football club in Scotland. Um it's part of our history, it's part of their history, as Derek Wakefield said yesterday. He wrote a song about the graffiti on the walls, and that's that's what's there. Yeah. But what I took particular umbrage to was the gentleman on Sky Sport uh, that said that the Irish girls needed educating. Uh, I don't think he was specifically... That was derogatory. Yeah, yeah. I suppose he was that, saying that, yeah, yeah. I suppose he was yeah, saying and, that. Yeah, and that was derogatory. Because at the end of the day, any rebel songs, I mean, I danced to these rebel songs in England in the 80s and 90s. The people these songs are written about, they didn't ask to have these songs written about them. They were born into a time where they would have much preferred not to take up arms against yeah, yeah. a foreign foe. And they were fairly heavy-hitting songs, us. though. I mean, the, the, another one I didn't mention this morning was, do you remember The Men Behind the Wire was another one? Armoured cars do, yeah. and tanks and guns, yeah. Yeah, there's actually a clip on, on one of Alan Partridge's uh, stand-up shows there where he takes the part of a, a Mayo man and he actually sings um, he sings The Men Behind the Wire and he sings another uh, Irish Rebel song as well. There, uh, there, you, take a brave, you take a brave comedian now or a stand-up to do stuff like that. I mean, you will recall that John Cleese got in y- years later. At the time, everybody thought it was funny. He did the, he did the Nazi goose step on, um, on uh, Faulty Towers. Do you remember that? Don't mention That's the right, war in that episode. That, yeah. Then year, years later, people were calling for that to be cancelled or not to be broadcast anymore. Well, but if you remember the episode of Father Ted... Um, would you believe I've never? Would you back. believe I've got to do something with that? I've never seen a single episode of Father Ted. My apologies. I must uh, watch. Neil, is it <laughs> Neil? Do is undoubtedly the funniest thing I think that was ever put on TV. I remember watching was, bits of it and thinking that it was stupid and corny. But I mean, I got it wrong, did I? There's there's one particular episode of that where um, two of the priests, the Father Ted uh, Dermot Morgan, meets up with. 
they're actually, uh, one of them is a retired Nazi. And the, the funny thing about it is they Father Ted ordered some stuff from the priest, uh, f- from, from the, the, the priesthood place, and your man sent Father Ted some of the Nazi stuff, and Father Jack wound up climbing out of the box at the end of the show, the credits was rolling, and Father Jack got out of the box with a full Nazi uniform on him. But the whole did, country laughed at it. Did people actually find that funny, considering what the Nazis actually did? Yeah, but it was the... It was the Remember Prince Harry it. went to a party in a Nazi That's uniform. right, with a Nazi thing on his... But people found his, that uh, funny in Father Ted, did they? they? They did. It was about the only time I've ever... Don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to glorify Nazism in any way, but sometimes, you know, if you take your history too serious... There's an inscription on the inside of the wall in, on the inside of the gate in, in um, Auschwitz. I can't remember the, the exact quotation, but what it means is, if you don't learn by your history, uh, you leave the doors open for the same thing to happen again. Yeah, yeah. You know, would you, you, know, would so, you equate the way people are reacting to a chant the same as, you know... Oh, Auschwitz should be cancelled. People shouldn't go there. We oh, need to no, forget. No. Birkenau should be cancelled. We shouldn't no, go there. People of should forget. Not. You see, unfortunately, Irish history. But are we not being asked to do that though? When people criticise us singing a rebel song? Yeah, but you see, if anything, it feels as if we're being bullied into it. I mean, we have our history, and unfortunately, it's it's pretty bloodstained. But the Irish people didn't ask for that. But we could that have we could have ignored it. Um, this, this started around about 10 o'clock Wednesday morning, I think. The Irish Independent led with it online. RTE led with it online. Um, maybe we're to blame ourselves that we gave it coverage and just should have said, we're not even going to get involved in that. Leave them off. Well, yeah, the, the, the media went crazy on it. The media went crazy on our, it. Well, our, me, our media did. Oh, our I media remember, did. Well, I remember, seeing, I remember looking at the screen here them. and I saw Independent.ie up on one screen, I saw RTE up on another screen, I was saying... Oh, my God, Almighty. Have they anything better to be talking about? Well, I mean, you... Uh, I presume you've been to Parkhead. No. All right, Brox. I've been to Parkhead. No. I've never been to... No, no, no. I mean, I, I hold my hands up. I, I, you know, what, what, what I would really know about soccer, apart from a little bit about Liverpool, you'd write in the back of a matchbox. But everybody knows that, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, the Fields of Athenry is sang at Anfield. It sang at Parkhead. Well, up the rise sang at Parkhead. There's other um, uh, Republican songs sang up there. Maybe they might change the words a little bit in it. Uh, there's some team in Northern Ireland won a cup. Uh, I think it was Clinton, I can't remember. The, it was some club anyway. And they were videoed singing F the Pope and F the That was Linfield FC. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there was nothing about that. F the Pope and F the... The FDIRA. We I know, and and that that conversation is still going on in this program, but it has moved somewhat now to remembering our past as to whether, I guess, there are many people who are ten, fifteen, twenty years old, maybe twenty five years old, haven't a clue what went on unless they're being taught it in school or how bad it actually was. I mean, nobody nobody talks about the. I mean, we we didn't talk about nineteen sixteen when I was in school. We didn't talk about the civil war. We didn't talk about. Well, no, we were I, embarrassed I by it all. We didn't talk talked a little bit about the famine. We were more likely to know everything and anything about um, uh, the the British kings and queens or first and second world war, but very little about our own. 
Right. Uh, just give me a quick story. I'll cut a long story short on it. But as you know, I lived in England for many years. My eldest son was educated in a, a multinational school because I wanted him to know the history of um, the world. I wanted him to know the history of all religions. But I took him out of school. Our holidays collided with his school term and we took him out of school for a couple of days. And we came back to Ireland and I bought him to Kilmainham and he found great interest. He would have been about nine or ten at the time. I bought him to Kilmainham. It's now a museum. Right? So I wanted to go myself and my wife at the time was with me and my eldest son. And we brought him in and he took interest in it and still has great interest. Yeah, in, you lit a fire in, under in, him, in history. Yeah. But when we went back to school anyway, um, his teacher called me in and that evening she said to me, you know, Derek told us a very disturbing story this morning. She said when he was on holiday in assembly, said he that he brought him to this uh, prison and there was a poor man strapped in a chair and shot because he was too sick to stand. Okay. So I said to her, yeah, I said it was James Connolly and there was a Scottish lady I was speaking to. I said it was one of your own. I said, but uh, she says to me, is that really what you want to be teaching your son? <laughs> Well, I said, you know, it'll do him no good, but it won't do him no harm to know these things. And uh, she says, well, we don't cater for the Irish history and the English curriculum. Now, I, I bit on it when she said that. And I said to her, well, you really should because you played a big enough part in it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think a lot of things, and I lived in England for years and I love the English people. I lived in the East End of London wonderful, beautiful people that took me under their wing. I have several English friends and have no grievance whatsoever. But I wouldn't go on an English station and tell the English rugby team or the soccer team not to sing their chants when they come to Ireland. I wouldn't say, oh, you can't sing Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. And I don't, like I don't, I'm, open, I'm, I'm open to education on Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. What's the problem with that? Um, it's it's an English song. It glorifies their past. Who? It's it's a song that the English sing. It's yeah, but isn't, isn't, it's an anti-slavery song, isn't it? As far as I'm aware, yeah. yeah okay. As far as I'm aware. But, I mean, we wouldn't uh, go on uh, world media and tell that the English need to be educated on... On Irish history. Well, we got, it, we, got it, we got a bit of pushback when all Irish, both sides of the border, played for the national Irish team in rugby and uh, we couldn't agree on our own Nevian. We had to get Phil Coulter to write another anthem. So we're, we're far from across the line on a lot of things. Well, we are and there has to be mutual respect as far as United Ireland goes. And it's something we will see in my lifetime. I'm 58 now, but I think it's something we will see in our lifetime. I mean, look at our shirt. Look at our shirts. The men and the women's shirts. We're playing in orange. Why you is know, that? I have no idea. We're playing in orange. Orange is not the Irish colour. That might have something to do with an away strip, though. Surely, was it? Yeah, it is an away strip, but it's it's they like the colour orange, like. Okay. Ireland is always yeah. in I mean, there is or, there is orange in the middle of our flag. Maybe I don't know. Oh, there is, and the idea of the orange being there is uh, the green is the Irish. The orange is for the um, English people that live on our island, and the voice is the peace that's that's shared between that's the it. two. That's it. The two, what have I, uh, okay, what have I got here? I've got about two, two and a half minutes. Let me see if the Baldy Barber wants to pick up any of the thoughts that you've made there, PJ. Baldy, uh, Michael, good morning. Good morning, Ian. Because you're saying the songs that are sung at all soccer matches are disgraceful. I believe they're absolutely... I, I've never heard them now, but my customers that will go up to the matches say that they're absolutely shocking. 
and the things that they're singing against their own their own people, their own people. It could be Liverpool. Uh, and, 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 and in fairness, like if you were at Parkhead and the chance that is thrown back, back and forward, and these are pretty serious, like you know, it's different when you so. go to the like the Premier League games. You've got teams that further history about winning ten nil and beating twenty nil back in two thousand and one or whatever. But if you go to Parkhead, the songs that's thrown on both directions, and there's nothing ever said about that. Uh, Mick? Yes, I believe so. I, and I believe the biggest word in the Premiership matches is, is the word C against their opposition. The C word? Fans. Yes, the C word. Against the, the players, against the rep, against the ref, against every, the opposition. Everything. They make the big thing out of this thing. I tell you something, the girl sang a song. I see nothing wrong with it. Ireland won one nil. They were looking to hold out for Jerusalem. They're in the World Cup. Let's move on because there's a lot more things happen. Worse things happen. Yeah, but we've it. been left to pick up the, the collateral damage yeah, to this. That, um, that, that, that gob, I want to use the word uh, on radio. <laughs> that, that sky, that sky reporter, he should be educated about what they've done because they robbed and plundered the world. Okay, all right, thank you. Indeed, 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 indeed. So I personally don't see any problem with it. We're singing about our heritage, we're singing about our past. Thank you, PJ. Thank you, uh, Mick Moriarty. If it helps, actually, Mark Willington did a bit of a dive in the past 24 hours out of curiosity. He said, I'd look to see what the British media response was to the football chant, uh, and it's practically non-existent in British media now. It was a minor sports story on Wednesday, and since then I haven't heard or seen anything of it on any broadcast media, which is interesting, really, considering that UEFA are involved in it. The British police are, have launched an investigation into it, and there's particular an annoyance amongst MPs who represent Birmingham, apparently. Uh, either way, just a couple of quick uh, shout-outs this side uh, of uh, 11. For everybody at the Mercy Hospital, uh, particularly the staff as well at the EBU Hope, EBO Home Rescue at the Marina Commercial Park, Ballancolly Credit Union, O'Donovan's Pharmacy and Balafihan are listening. All of the staff at Marymount Hospital and Hospice, Classic Windows and Columni, BCE Consulting Engineers are listening down the Marina and Amari on the Tremor Road. So Free Food Friday, text who you are and where you are to 86 Fifteen of you at least will be fed this lunchtime. Uh, back after 11. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Winner of two golds at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. The Free. Neil Prendeville Show on Free. Cork's Red FM. Free for Friday. They jump in all of the time. <laughs> Exchange. Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Perry, Perry, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. Text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. I know, I'm fierce and patient. I was always like that, particularly at mealtimes. I just need to chill. Wait my turn. Um, so 15 of you at least will be fed, courtesy of ourselves and Rooster, Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. Don Kettle Interchange Road Project are listening. Morning to Graham and all of the guys. You're doing a great job, guys. It's getting there slowly but surely. It's a bit like the McCroom Bypass. I think they're opening the first leg of the McCroom Bypass before the month is out. 
Should be fun. Uh, everybody at Prestige Hair Design in Glanmire. Morning to you all. Bossard in Little Island are listening. Blue Coast Skip Hire. Family run business in Cove. Listen every day. Good morning. Guard Engineering in Middleton. JCB ECI in Carrick Tools. Smith Super Value in Kinsale. Vass Motorworks in Mallow. Desi's Tires in Vickers Road in Toker. To everybody at Little Hands Child Care in Blackpool. Uh, this is a lovely one. Julia got in touch. She said, I'll try my luck for free food Friday today. I'm an employee of the Cork Foyer in Blackpool. We provide supported accommodation for young people aged 18 to 25 who are homeless or at risk of homelessness. We're housing 18 young people at present who would be delighted to indulge. I'm holding down the fort on my own today and we'd live, love some food for everyone. I, I read that and I think you are doing incredible work providing supported accommodation for young people aged 18 to 25 who are homeless or at risk of homelessness. Now, Thank you for your text, Julia. I have to say, Free Food Friday has to be fair to all. So we can't just pick a winner. Um, we have to do it fairly in a fair draw because many people have been texting for a long, long time. But I'll tell you what I will do. When you get off air this morning, I'll talk to the gang at Roosters Piri Piri and I'll see if I can organise something on the side for you and the work that you're doing and the young people who are living there who otherwise would be in homelessness. It's an important age in their life, 18 to 25. So well done to you for the terrific work you're doing. If there's a, if there's a fee involved in it, I'll pay for it. So we will sort you out. It won't be today, I'd say. Probably won't be today. But I'm certainly going to make uh, um, a big effort at lunchtime today, just at midday, to sort it out for you, perhaps for next week. All right? Okay. So to be fair to everybody else, we'll have the normal win of Free Food Friday at 10 minutes to midday. But Cork Foyer in Blackpool, you have something nice to look forward to. All right? And happy to be able to help. Everybody at JPC Accountants in Kilcully, to everybody at Joe Crowley Oils in Inishannon, to AME Beauty Salon on the Old Mallow Road, NDLS in Cork City, AOC's Commercials in Carry Tool, Verde Energy Group in Little Island are listening, and just a few more here. St. Michael's Credit Union, Bark Park in Ballinahina, Northside Tires on the Mallow Road, Everybody at Keto Products, Watson Marlowe, Phelan's Baker's Road, and also somebody suggests the big winners for Free Food Friday this week should be the ladies' Irish soccer team. Keep those coming. We'll do another bunch of shout outs in about 20 minutes' time. Text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. I hope that Nancy can hold on, and also Geraldine, back after the break. More calls on the way. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Cork's Red FM. And back to the phone lines we go. Geraldine, good morning. Can you hear me all right, Geraldine? Hello, yeah. Yeah, there you yeah. are. Very interested in getting your perspective on things as somebody who's a native of Derry City. Yeah. Hmm. Um, basically, you know, anyone that is from Northern Ireland and who's 30 above... You know, like the Belfast Agreement was 1998, but I mean, the kids in their early, you know, one, two, and three wouldn't remember, but anybody after that would remember. But uh, I have to say, I don't think you would meet anyone who's 30 or over from Northern Ireland who has not either lost a family member or a family friend from the troubles. I hate the troubles, actually, because it's terrorist organizations. I I just had too many experiences being from a nationalist town. Um, Basically, my own is, um, he was a Roman Roman Catholic judge, uh, Roy Conaghan. The Conaghans used to go to Donegal with us every summer. Mm. And um, basically, my buddy Deidre um, opened the front door to two guys who asked for her dad. So she shouted down the hallway and her dad came out and he pulled, they pulled the hat, not like those like um, woolen hats, 
They pulled it down and they became balaclavas and they shot Rory point dead in front of Deidre, who was nine at the time. And the IRA took uh, responsibility for it because they said uh, Rory didn't give lighter sentences to the IRA. Um, um, you know. Good God. And yeah, um, that's that's how you live up there, you know. Um, my other experience, personally, again, is because of the IRA. Um, I m- was moving to Belfast. I was studying, and I was beside. Uh, I was in student accommodation, but I was beside a Catholic hospital, and. Um, my fellow student was pregnant and she was moving out to go in with her husband, or her husband now, but it was her boyfriend at the time. Yeah. And um, they were, we were all putting the stuff uh, into the car and uh, Jared pulled Mary to the ground and screamed. And I thought, what the hell's wrong here? He actually broke fingers of, of Mary and that. And I turned to find this guy spread eagles on the street in the middle of this common road, uh, pointing the gun at me. And to be honest with you, because I'm not political, because I'm not terrorist, I was in complete disbelief. I just was looking at him as if to say, what are you doing? You've got the wrong person. Um, there was a person behind him that didn't have a balaclava on. So long story cut short, the police afterwards told me, um, I said, oh, thank God, they, they obviously thought twice about it. Yeah. Um, and they didn't shoot him. They said, why do you think they didn't shoot him? I said, because I didn't hear a click. And he said, uh, Madam, I'm afraid you're watching too many terrorists uh, or, or too many, um, um, you know, detective programs. And that. He said, that was a handmade gun. And it, it didn't click because it jammed. And I have to say, that gave me the, the heebie-jeebies when he said they did intend to kill you. And he said, the reason why we know that is because they did get, uh, uh, it was, they actually got a man who was walking out of a Catholic church and they got him instead. And I said, why? And they said, because for... A retribution for an attempt on um, um, what do you call it, a policeman or an RUC officer. So this is the problem. So well, you would with, have been shot in that case by a loyalist. Yeah, yeah. But someone who retribution, doesn't yeah. have a legitimate target because there isn't, you know, they wouldn't dream of going for someone in the IRA because then they would have the IRA after them and they, they're smart enough to know that. Um, but they would just go for a Catholic. And you have the Shankill Butcher's horrific stuff. There's very psychopathic, horrific murders of Catholics. But invariably, the only reason they go after the Catholics is in retribution for something that the IRA did. Okay. Now, the other side of that is I'm from a nationalist town, as I said to you. So therefore, I'm afraid I'm a Humeite. Peaceful means. That's the only way. Like, as in a supporter like, of John Hume, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and basically, um, my own experience is with my best friend's um, cousin, she was from Donegal and she did a degree in, in Galway and put, set up an art craft shop that was so successful she did a second one. And when I moved here to Cork, I discovered people in Cork actually bought her stuff. It was so good. Mm. Anyway, Paula got a call. We were in the house, in her house, and uh, this is the province inside the Catholic Centre of Town, and the police rang her and said, uh, you've got to come over to your premises. Um, there's riots going on, and they're looting. And, of course, you see, who would they loot? They'd loot all the British shops. So Little Woods, uh, Woolworths, Boots, the chemist, everything. It'd be Everything British would be looted. And he said, but there's a risk that in between, like, her shop could be got, you see. Yeah. So he pulled her over, and Paula went, oh, he, he said, get another, but he bring a female. And I thank God she didn't ask me, but she brought another female for the other shop. And he says, make sure you wear a dress or a skirt so you're seen to be a female, because they, they don't seem to attack females. So he said, we can't go in with you, I'm sorry, because we'll only draw the rioters if they see our uniform. So you have to go in your own. So she had to go in go into the shop, put low lighting on and be seen to be there moving about. And it was quite terrifying for Paula because she's from Donegal, like she's 
not into this rubbish. But anyway, um, basically, uh, at one point it all went quiet. So she came out and only that she told this to my face. I know it's the truth. She went out and we will not say because he's dead and not speak ill of the dead. But let's say it was a senior uh, uh, army IRA commander from Derry who went into Sinn Féin and Stormont Assembly and he, she could see him inciting the crowd which really infuriated her, really got her cross because that was her business going to be you know, bombed yeah. or whatever. It turns out that he then was accused by the IRA in the news because we got home, she went, all calmed down, she came home and she was really cross about this, really cross. Next thing we said, we put on the news and see what happened. So we put on the news and the RUC made a statement saying that this person was seen to incite the crowd and with my own eyes, the camera went to him and he said, bare face, didn't blink. I was there placating the crowd. I was solely there to placate the crowd. And I began to think, and we had a chat afterwards, and saying, should the IRA all their lives, we, you wouldn't realise it. You literally, when you go in the car, you wouldn't go around the corner fast because you could be stopped instantly by uh, police patrol. You're constantly stopped. And if you have arms in the bit of your car, you have to learn to lie through your teeth and hope to God they don't ask to check your boot. So... I have to say, you know, I just have seen so many lies. Mm. The Sinn Féin used to boast that the IRA kept drugs out of the bad areas in Derry. And we used to laugh at that. Why did they do that? Because there were IRA men there with guns who could have had drug cravings and we would have had a lot more Northern Ireland bank, you know, robberies. You know, uh, or Northern Bank robbery. No, I don't. I, no, I they, don't they, understand what what you mean. They, they did say that they came to the aid of communities that were being terrorized, terrorized because they were Catholics, and they did say that they kept drugs out, that they were never interested in drugs, even as a, a source of revenue. Because they didn't want their own men in drugs. Okay. Hop on. Yeah. You know, they didn't. How could you have your own men with drug cravings with guns? Should they could pop into the local op- post office and get money to get drugs? The other thing is, my brother did dentistry. And he went into one of the worst areas in off the Falls Road. And I remember, God love him, it was his first big salary and whatever in the first year. He bought himself, now it was second hand, but he bought himself a big zipped up Toyota Corolla. I want a rumbling high, I don't know what you call them, V something engine. And he had, it was hilarious, he had like a Titanic chain wrapped around the steering wheel and the, and the chair, you know, to, to keep someone from stealing it. And I must have mentioned this to the dental nurses and they laughed and they turned around and nearly died when they said, and they said, Pete, don't use his name, say his name's Mark. They said, Mark, you don't need to watch, you know, worry about your car being stolen. And he said, geez, we're in the Falls Road. And of course, that's the point. He said, they'd steal it and there'd be a good getaway car. And they yeah. said, no, no, no. You just need to know the Sinn Féin office telephone number. And I heard it with my own eyes. They said, these are girls living in the Falls Road. They said, all you do is ring Sinn Féin and you'll have the car back in within about 20 minutes. Now, it might have blood splats around the place, but you'll have your car back. Equally so, and another senior IRA commander who has denied membership of the IRA and who was high in the Sinn Féin actually introduced kneecapping, again, as you say, for wonderful means so that whenever there was uh, carjacking or um, joyriding or maybe burglaries, how they dealt with it was they were judge and jury and they decided who had done it and that person would be kneecapped. 
as a message to everybody else. Mm. And that was the way they dealt with things. So it was like a mafia. So, sorry, I ha- my father came from the south of Ireland, took over my mother's, my mother's father's business, and he used to get phone calls from the IRA to shut on certain days, and he'd get equal phone calls to open from the lawyers. And the poor man developed a heart condition because yeah, he, yeah. He, he refused to pay protection money. He was a very, very, very beautiful man, but he just could not cope with the rot because it was just incredible what, what he went through as a business. So we saw a different side, I suppose. Of course you did. You the lived through it. You and were how there. They, you know, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I understand yeah. what you're saying. I, so I have to say, I, I personally just innately don't I think that was the first time I ever saw misinformation as a child but we and then as a young adult and that we didn't call it misinformation but we just said we would never trust to be saying that that, that, that I'm, I was there to calm people when actually he was inciting it it was a barefaced uh, lie to you I yeah, saw yeah. him do it yeah. but you he, know, that's, now that's one of uh, many stories in Neil it's not but if just I, a but one I've been, but I have been to Derry beautiful city yeah. incidentally and I saw beautiful a, a, walls a, a, Wonderful people, very much. I thought they were. Derry's very similar to Cork. The people are as friendly. Yeah. They're up for a laugh. Very, Beautiful historic city. So. But you, but you, one can go on a tour of the troubles in in in, in Derry. We we've been talking yeah. about should we be allowed to remember our past um, and 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 remember from where we've come and the struggles that we've went through. That's yeah. all. People feel as if they're being denied that. You see. The only thing is, the man this morning now was very good. I know he didn't have a northern accent, but he was very accurate. What I want is that people get an accurate viewpoint as opposed to, now don't get me wrong, I, I remember at school, a lot of the girls came in with their black armbands when the, the hitch block you know, prisoners, Bobby Sands died and that. But I know certainly um, there were, now he was quite genuine, he wanted to go on it himself, but there were other people whose families were very aggrieved that their sons were being encouraged to follow and they did so and lost their lives and yeah. they were very bitter about it but are you now from what I just said to you do you think you'd stand up to the IRA or the Sinn Féin and say how dare you do that? No, no, no. 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 And that's, that's what we lived talking under. About, talking think. about portrayals before I let you go I found Kenneth Branagh's movie Belfast very moving uh, I know it's a film But it wasn't accurate he, he did say that it wasn't Parts, it's parts very of it were but, yeah, but yeah. It, it, did it was deal, excellent it, it did deal with a couple of the story the life stories that you've just shared here it did really. Yeah, of people being. Yeah, I, I had a friend who went into law. Um, she's a very quiet person, maybe because of that. Um, they were in a. No, I was in a Protestant area, but we seemed to be lucky. Um, it, it was mixed, um, and, and we had no problems. But uh, granted, my mother, when she used to go to Donegal, used to bring our Protestant neighbours' children, and it was the only time they ever went to Donegal. They would never cross over into Donegal. So yeah. you had that idea. But no, Carmel, I remember her telling us dreadful stories about as a child. Um, there would there would be a first be a crash and it would be in those days we had like the metal bins you know the metal rubbish bins okay, the old and it would bins, be yeah. a rub yeah yeah the corrugated ones and it would be thrown through the front bay window and then all the windows one by one would be smashed in the house mm. and eventually they did move and that's exactly what happened but dare I say it the same was done to Protestants in Catholic areas, yeah. but uh, there were fewer, dare I say it, Protestants that would move to Catholic areas, because dare I say it, Protestants, uh, and I, I've got very good friends who are Protestants, and my own family, half of it is, is Church of Ireland, so I, I don't want to, but Protestants did think less of, and you can see that, I mean, the DUP, it'll kill them to go in with 
like, well, Republicans definitely, but it would even be difficult to go in with Catholics. They're only learning to live with Catholics in that they would have always thought of Catholics as, I don't want to use the word dirty, but I can't think of another better, right. better word. Okay. But it's because we got, we got much worse housing. We didn't have gardens. Protestant estates were always better equipped, more greenery, blah, blah, blah. So therefore, they took pride in their housing estates. Of course, Catholic we remember that there was worse. people that couldn't work in an awful lot of establishments if they were Catholic. Once they're hard and yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we got it hard. We were much poorer. Therefore, then we, we, we didn't do as well. So they thought less of us. And then Catholics started. The big thing, that, and I have a lot to say about the Catholic Church. I'm very happy with the Pope, but there's a lot within the hierarchy that are oh, less said the better. But one thing the Catholic Church did do was we had better schools. And before you knew it, once uh, free education came in, Catholics were outstripping the Protestants. And we were doing better, and we were better educated. Our, we got better results in our schools, etc. And then the Catholics started buying up the expensive houses in a thing called like the Malone Road, which is supposed to be called the Model Farm Road. And the Protestants, ironic, moved out. They, the minute they moved, they, they couldn't live. You couldn't live beside um, a Catholic. And there were um, estate agents that would, would play you along, but would never would tell you at the last minute that somebody got the house before you. And then you would discover la- later they got it for a, a reduced price than you offered. You know? Because why? Rather, why? Because they, they, they wouldn't want... The, the name of the, the, the area, the residential area, would drop if a Catholic moved in. So they would sell it to a Protestant at a lesser price just to keep a Catholic family out. Can I just, ask, can I just ask you, do, is there, just finally, is there still an amount of suspicion north of the border, say in urban areas like a Belfast or a, a, or a Derry, as to whether somebody that they're talking to is Catholic or Protestant? Oh, you know what? I'm living here over 20 years and it's taken me at least 10 to stop judging somebody who's called Sandra. Because once I hear Sandra, I know I have to curb what I say. Right. Because I can't criticise uh, Ian Paisley. I can't criticise... Because then I know uh, I could well be, be giving offence. Yeah. Uh, you will, you never know, will you know by the name then? You will. Oh, completely. That's why all the members of my family have very bland names. And like you will never... If you go north, you will never... Well, anybody that's over 30, you will never meet a Catholic Sandra or something similar. They're, they're just so, they're just, you'd never meet anybody over 30 who is a, a, a Protestant Anya or Neve or Deirdre. Never, 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 never. And that's, and that's where you'd be stopped at, at the, in the cars and they would ask you your name. The, the security forces and the minute they know your name they know what they're dealing with God amazing isn't it isn't that's it how we lived all our lives always on red alert even in conversation oh completely completely amazing absolutely amazing. but the only thing is Neil which people don't they keep forgetting what I am sad about is that we, I don't apart from Palestine I don't know of any country that has enclaves of Protestant Protestant estates and Catholic estates. When I got married, I had to bring the number of Corkonians that were terrified because unfortunately it was the, the week after the 12th of July and I'd forgotten about that, that all the red and white and blue paving stones would all be freshly painted. Yeah. And they, with their southern registered cars, were, were driving along these roads to get to our hotel, which was out in the country. But they were petrified. But I mean, 
to be honest with you, at that stage, you know, it was 2002, 2003, they, they wouldn't have done anything to them. But at the same time, it was, there were, red, you know, Union Jacks and Red Hand of Ulcers hanging from every single lamppost. Mm. Now, that still happens today, Neil. Mm. So how do you expect people to think differently about Catholics and Catholics to think differently about Protestants? If that's, and, and that made me very sad that eventually, um, at the height of the Troubles, in Catholic areas, they started to, to paint green, white and gold paving stones. And I thought, oh, please don't go down to their level. Please don't. And, and the, the, the tricolour will be up on the, um, especially like for St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. They do that. Yeah. Um, like, how are you ever going to get those? And, and then they go to different schools. The number of co-ed schools in Northern Ireland, I think you possibly could count in one hand. So you do, what do, you, do, you think, do, you think do you think we're ready for unification or is it going to happen anytime soon? I read a really interesting article in The Independent by Sam, what's his name, McBride, who was very, very good. And I never thought of it myself, even me being from Northern Ireland. He was saying, you know, it's just being played by Sinn Féin because if you were from the North, I completely forgot about this. He said, there's so much complication if you want to unify the whole thing, aside from all the politics. Just basic down to, like, the security forces, you have to have 50% Catholics and 50% Protestants to make it fair. When you go into any public, um, you know, employer anywhere in Northern Ireland, it ha- you have to state your religion because they have to show that there's not more Protestants than Catholics being employed. There's all that rot up there. It's still ongoing. There's so but much... The, but that would be unheard of down here. I mean, like, for instance, if it's... But, like, if it's 50-50, what about people who have no religion? Well, that's what I'm saying. You have to put, you have to say, what were you born in? What were you baptised? Well, most of them would not be practicing. You have to put down what you were baptised with as. And actually, to be honest with you, if you weren't baptised, you'd nearly be, you'd nearly be better off putting down Catholic because you have more chance of, because they have to be seen to be having at least 50% of the workforce Fascinating. Catholic. It's fascinating. I could listen to you all morning if I had more time, but it's, I'm so delighted you picked up the phone. It's a real insight into life and living and growing up in an area uh, like Derry, in spite of that, I would still suggest people get an opportunity oh to travel. It's absolutely. a beautiful city. The, the one thing about Derry is, is it's second city syndrome, I'm afraid, yes, to Cork. It's got so many things. It's like Cork. You could be in a beach within 15, 20 Gorgeous. minutes up it. there. The, you've been there. The yeah. beaches, this view, it's absolutely, but the people themselves, they literally take the shirt off their back yeah. and not ask for anything in return. You've met them. You know I them. have met them. And, and they, they, they say hello to you in the street yeah. and having a clue who you are and yeah. they'll say, hello, how are you, whatever. They're gorgeous, absolutely. But that's the one thing. Visiting is brilliant, and they're gorgeous, and it's the they, it's the only intact wall wall city in the whole of Europe. Now there are wall cities in Europe, but the walls have been repaired. This is the only city that has its original intact wall. There's just so much to Derry and the surrounding area, the beautiful Donegal areas, and yeah. that it's just gorgeous. Okay, but I have to say, living there. I am I am very happy to bring my child up here in Cork and not bring him up in Northern Ireland. With I don't want him to have that mentality about Catholics and Protestants. Thank you so you much know? for taking the call, Jeremy. Have a good weekend. Pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Text 0868104106. Fascinating. Back after the break. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818 104 106. 
Free Food Friday shoutouts for area carpets and floors in Ballancolig. Morning to everybody at Topman Barbers in Ballancolig as well. To Honey Brown's Hair in Ballancolig, the whole of Ballancolig. Everybody listening at Joe's Edge Hair Salon in Blarney, Horgan's Garage in Kerry Pike, AP Vaughan Recycling in Tower, Leisure World in Churchfield, Gate Childcare in Little Island, O'Leary Lassard of Volkswagen, everybody at the Balfihan Healthcare, Atlantic Flight Training Academy at the airport, Impact Ireland Metals in Glanmire, EMH Technical Services in Rochestown, uh, everybody on site working at uh, development site in Knockraha, O'Leary and O'Sullivan, Screwfix at the North Point Business Park, SR Technics in Mahan, Gil Abbey Vets, Red Fox Recycling in Churchfield, Weedle Pharmacy in Mallow are listening this morning. Shoutouts for Unique Fit Out in Glanmire, the teachers in Douglas Community School, everybody working as physios in the COMH, Skull Owen Primary School staff, St. Killian School, Cronin's Concrete in Coachford, Feelings Pharmacy, Blackrock Hall, Shipping Solutions in Tivoli, Power Aggregates in in Carrick Tool, Little Island Transport, uh, and everybody who's listening, uh, the staff at Bishop O'Hearn National School in Liam Lara. So I might get an opportunity to do one more batch of shout-outs this side of midday, but I have no more time now for people to text on that one because one thing that I'm short of, particularly on Fridays, is time. Many, many texts that I won't get to this morning. Don't know how this story will play out over the weekend, but there was a huge response to it on this radio programme. So I'll come back and read out a selection of them uh, on Monday. But thank you to everybody who contributed. Can I just tell you, I got sent the most beautiful little book in the post a few weeks back, uh, which was written by Nancy Clark. It's called My Life of Wine, Roses and Mental Cruelty. And she sent me a lovely letter with it. Uh, She's 80 years young now, is Nancy. And she said, uh, I'm writing to you here from Glintown Care Centre. I'm sending you my book, which I hope you'll find interesting. It deals with my life from childhood to the age of 80. Maybe you'd like to read the book you might like to speak to me on your radio show. And I'm happy to say that Nancy Mary Martin Clark joins me by phone this morning. So, Nancy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Uh, it's lovely chatting with you. It's a lovely little book. It's very short and very small and very cute. It but is, it yeah, is. Yeah. Well, everything is in it, I think. The whole shooting match is in it. You actually... What about you, Neil? What about you, <laughs> wee lad? <laughs> born, born, born and reared in Belfast in 1942, yeah. no, I believe. No. I left when I was about five. And came I left to Belfast. Came to Cork, I, wasn't I it? I was down here. Yeah, I think you came down with your mam, um, yeah. Edith, and I, your dad, my, Jimmy. My my, uh, my daddy sold the house that they were in and moved down here. He was the manager of the Savoy. I'll come to that yeah, in a moment. But when when they met, actually, because we've been talking a lot about this over the last few days, your mam was Protestant and your dad was yeah. Catholic. But in nineteen forty, yeah. in the forties, it probably didn't make that much of a difference, did it? Oh, it did, Neil. It did, did it? Did it? Yeah. It was very bitter, you know. And they had to, they went to Dublin to get married because it couldn't have been up there. Even then in the 40s? Would have thought something in the 60s or 70s? There was something, yeah. Did everybody go to the wedding? No, no. Just had it privately. Just the, the four, uh, my best man, daddy's best man and that, you know. Just the four of them. Both families were so divided to the marriage. Yeah. Daddy's, Daddy's mother wouldn't take him in for six months. Go away. On oh, account of him marrying mommy. Isn't that she, was, she was introduced to the Catholic faith. She became a Catholic with instruction from the priest. And it wasn't easy. None of it was easy on them. But tell me this, though. When you came along, the light of your mammy and daddy's eyes, did the relationships yeah. improve, say, with your grannies and granddads? 
Oh, yes, I loved my granny and granddad. Oh, they were completely at peace with my mom. They were, they were gorgeous people. And they were Protestants as well. Yeah. And I loved them. They, they were my heart and soul. That's why it affected me so much coming down here when I was four. I, I just broke my heart after them, you know. Your dad and mam came down because your dad got a job in Cork in 1947, yeah, in, in, I was in reading. The in the yeah, Savoy. In the Savoy. Right. So that would have been a restaurant and a, and a very big cinema. Do you remember it as a child? Yeah. Five restaurants. Five. And one cinema. Was it magical? Oh, dear God. Me, it wasn't magical. I was in with all the staff and everything. It was wonderful, Neil. Wonderful. But then, Neil... My life was changed. He got an offer to run the Oyster Tavern. Yeah. And he went there and I nearly broke my heart. It wasn't like the cinema, you know. Would you go to this, would you go to watch films very often in there because daddy was the boss? Yeah, twice a week. And the teachers mad, were mad at me, Neil, because they used to say, far too much of those bloody pictures. <laughs> They said, I used to go, you know, I used to be locked up in them. And uh, the point was, I never did my lessons properly then. I did them in daddy's office. I went home about 11 o'clock. If, oh, if I was desperate. You were going home at 11 o'clock at night and they couldn't get you out of bed in the morning because you're inside in the Savoy. And would you be fed I, in there? I, and there was, you know what I did, there was a, Yeah. I, I, I used to put my shoes on the floor to say that I was up because I couldn't get up, you know, properly. I was half asleep. <laughs> well, you you were going to I think you were going to Glasheen National School, and you were living oh, in yeah, Murview. Was it was it Murview Lawn in Bishopstown? It was it was down the Glasheen Road. Right. Okay. And it yeah. was uh, down in the middle of Glasheen Road, and it was in a hard school because you had to know a lot of Irish, and that's what they said. You go to too many blinking films, <laughs> and you know I I went to St Angela's in secondary school, and it was none of that. I know. They, they had open arms. What do you, for you, you know? what do you recall of your dad's time? Was he manager in... Um, yeah, he was manager in both issues. So do you, in, the, in the oyster. Do you remember the oyster? Because it was yeah, very it was very swanky and posh, wasn't it? it? They was, served it steak was, and things. It was very swanky. And I could only go for my lunch the odd time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't go like normally in the Savoy, and I was oh my it wasn't the same at all. Really. <laughs> so oh, then yeah. I went back to I met, met a fella who was an Egypt. What I mean, he was an Egypt. Did you say Nancy? Yeah, he was. He was a horrible fella. But I married him. Why? And then I went back. I don't know. He made me. Do you <laughs> think I was going with another fella at the time? Did he? I loved. Where did you meet him? Because you used to go to the carousel, I think, didn't you? Yeah. I met him at a, at a bar, in a bar. This fuel was, was with me. And uh, we just went out, you know, because my boyfriend was away doing a course in, in the Queen's University. And uh, I met him. And he seemed a nice fellow, you know, and made me laugh. And I just, time went on, you know. And I married him in the end anyway, which was very, very, very bad. You said in the book, little did I know the way it would horrifyingly end. What, what did you mean by yeah. that? Because he was cruel to me. 
and he used to disappear for days, and I never could find where he was. And it broke my heart, Neil, because he was an alcoholic and I didn't know it. I know. I, I know. used to disappear for days, and I, I never knew to this day where he was, where he used to go, you know. He disappeared, and to this day, you don't know what became of him. He never came he back. Died. He's dead. He's dead, thank God. Really? Yeah. Was it that bad? Nobody Did... went to his funeral or anything. Yes. Was he violent to you? Yes, sometimes. He was violent by words. Yeah. You know, by words, he used to call you everything. I know, and I know. And the was, it was just a horrible time. Did you have yeah. kids at that yeah, stage, I wonder, Nancy? Did you? What, Neil? Did you have children at this stage? No, none for 10 years. Or, no, sorry, five or six years, I know. And the trouble started then. And we were in a lovely house. And the armoured tanks passed our door nearly. And the soldiers in it. And we, we were scared. And I knew, as the lady said there, you know, it was... And we were living in a good part of the city. So you had gone back to Belfast at this stage? I had gone back to Belfast yeah. in 83. Yeah. And I became a nurse. I became a nurse. And what, at what stage did you meet your... Didn't you, 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 had, you did have children, I know that, I read the book. But with whom? Eventually, yeah. Uh, that was Paul, wasn't it? Michael. Would I tell you, Neil? Are you listening, Neil? Yeah. Neil, my, my firstborn son was a beautiful, handsome boy. And he dis- he's disappeared for 20 years. 20 years he's missing. And the police are on the job morning, noon and night. That's don't, Michael, they don't isn't it? Him. That's Michael. Michael, yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous looking boy. And Sharon is lovely. Yeah, you had three children. You had Michael, you had a daughter Sharon, and you had a son Paul. I had a... A different fellow that was Down syndrome. Damien. He died at 17. Damien. He died at 17. Yeah. And that was all together. I had nobody to help me, you see, because that man was useless. Sorry, it was the one marriage and he was a waste of time, but you did have four children, one who died. The story. I was laughing with you before on the radio. I was, you were saying to me that it was during the inoculation. Time. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. And I was talking to you and we were laughing about him. And I said, I'm well rid of him. You were well, you were well <laughs> rid of him. You had to You were well rid of him, but you had to rear them on your own then subsequently. Sharon, Paul, Michael, Damien. But they were easy reared. They were easy reared. They were very good. Job. But it must break your heart that... In the little book that you wrote, Michael had been in and out of hospital with, you know, depression and issues involving his mental health. And he just walked out of the the hospital and was never seen again. Well, he came home for a a period, didn't he? No, he was was not home. He left his bags and he disappeared. And they just, I went up and reported it to the police after a few days. And they were, you know, they were very concerned. With it, they didn't think that things would turn out, but then they never did. Neil, he was gone, and he was nobody knows where he is. And you know, I at Christmas after Christmas, Neil, I'm thinking of him because I'm thinking, is he warm? Is he having his dinner? All this, you know. How old would Michael be? How old would Michael be now? Do you think? Can you put a figure on? Forty-two or forty-three. Forty-two. 
52, 42, I think. Yeah. yeah. And he literally walked out, left everything behind him without a trace, yeah, never did, seen yeah. or heard from. And his very, very, nurse told me that his check was there too. He had no money, Neil. Yeah. With him, he got a spin up to somewhere in the north, we don't know. And uh, the man said that him the spin, he never spoke the whole road up. Deep depression, you see, he was in Neil. So this was, were you were you at this stage with the children in Cork then? Yeah, yeah. I brought them up in Cork because the Northern Ireland wasn't a place for them at the time. You couldn't really, as the lady said there, you couldn't really have family. You know, you'd have to be saying, "Oh, don't go there and don't go here." I know, you know? I know, I know. And they wouldn't have understood at all. So I brought them down here, and I was in a car crash. And in uh, the same time, and my head went through the windscreen, and I lost my eye, and I was. You were pregnant at the time, weren't you? I read that in the book. Yeah, I was pregnant with the Down syndrome child, and uh, it was a very bad time for me, you know. I know because I couldn't even. I I was no strength at all. I had to build up my strength from nothing, and I was just exhausted. If I did any little thing, you know. I know. My mother, I know. My mother and my aunt came and helped me a bit, but then they had to go home, you know. I know, yeah. I was there. And the nurse, I knew you know, and the nurse in the hospital with my, that was looking after my eye, uh, she, you know she gave me? Uh, egg yolk and brandy. <laughs> For the good <laughs> eye. My father said, I'm bringing up a bottle of brandy to see. <laughs> Were you sad when your Were you sad when your parents passed away? Oh yeah, miss them terrible. I miss my. I know my father was his own boss. You know, he never stayed around much. He wasn't a family man at such. He had very unsocial hours though, Nancy, didn't he? Working he in had, cinemas yeah, and restaurants and things. Yeah, hours. yeah. And he used to work five days a week on the two to uh, until two o'clock in the morning. I know. I know. I know. Terrible, you finish. You do finish the book up saying, "I'm still wishing young Michael would come back to me in time." Yes, I do. I do, Neil. I do. I know. I know. God knows I where do. he went to, or whether he's even still alive. To be honest with you, Nancy. Neil, well, I, I, I don't know. I, the police said that to me nicely. They said we just don't know where he is. We can't find him, and we don't know whether he's living or dead. And tell me, how is your life now in Glintown? In the nursing home, it's lovely, Neil. You want to be in it, it's lovely. <laughs> and when, uh, when the virus came, that was two years ago. That was two years that lasted. Was that, that was tough then, the two years the of the virus? Because you do say I that. Was you, you in the middle of it. Yeah. You say in your book, unfortunately, a virus broke out all over the world and the girls yeah. in the home had to work day and night to protect us. They had to, Neil, and they were... They were looking after the, the residents who had it, you see, who had the virus. Mm. And some of them got it themselves, and I've done it in the book. But they got rid of it pretty easy, you know. They had to just go and keep themselves to and themselves. T- yeah, and tell me, Nancy, how was your 80th birthday? Did you have a party? Oh, Neil, it was terrific. I was I went up to the Montanati Hotel, and I had a beautiful frock on me, Neil, and I was done up to a tease. Oh, I was loving it. There's a photograph. Uh, you didn't get the photograph in the front of the book, did you, when I was young? 
I see. Well, I have the most stunning photograph in the book of you when you were much younger with one of your children. Yeah. Gorgeous. That was my firstborn. That was Michael who was disappeared. That was him in the show. He after his. his uh, you look so happy in that picture. Little did you know how I tough it was going to be. Him, I am him. He is yeah. my first child. He was uh, christened in the chapel that day, and I had a load of people in. Uh, and when you look back at your life in your 80 years, um, do you think that you got a fair break? Was it a happy life? No, no, I no, didn't. No. My, child, my young life had been taken from me, Neil, uh, over him, you know. I had my young life cut out for me, and I only, I'm only enjoying it now, really. Yes. Yes, and the, and your other children are they in touch with you? I know, yes. I know Sharon yeah, is in Italy. Yeah, I think Paul. What? And she comes up every Sunday, and Paul comes down. He's in Dublin, as I say this. He comes down when he can every month, nearly. Have you grandkids? Two children. He has two children. Have you grandchildren yeah. as well, Nancy? Yeah, and two children. Yeah. I know. It's a lovely thing to do at the age of 80 to decide to write a little book, isn't it? Yeah, well, I was sitting one night. I said to myself, all oh, that has gone past. I said I could write a book. <laughs> <laughs> so I started to write. And they took it with a pinch of salt at the time. But then it became serious. I, I said I mustn't forget anything now. Because yeah. I had been talking to you. About the you yeah, I know. I remember some time back. Yeah, but oh, I, when wow. when you sent me the book, I said, "Well, you've gone to such an effort to write it and put it together, and it's a lovely little read." I said, "I'd just like to get you on, just to have a little chat about it." You know, Neil, Neil I'm, I'm kind of pissing the book. Would you hold a, a little party for us for four people in there? Where? And Sean and yourself in Red FM or somewhere. You want you want Seamus to organise a little party in here for you, is it? Oh yes, anything, anywhere. Yes, please. Well, what would you? What would you? Who would you? Who would you bring? I bring Sean. I bring you. Just and Sean and you. Oh, you mean Seamus from here? My Seamus, my, my Seamus, yeah. the producer. And yeah. Me and me and my daughter. You want to see my daughter, Neil? <laughs> She's gorgeous. <laughs> I'm that's oh, all, that's all right, Nancy. I'm married. That's okay. Oh, but Neil, she's beautiful, darling. Oh well, there's no harm in looking. <laughs> no. Well, well, listen. I'll leave it with you anyway. If you want to come and visit, you're more than welcome to come out and say hello. I love it. I love it, Neil. Okay. Her. Well, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll organise that. All right. So I'll, well, the next time I talk to you, you'll be out here. All right, and we'll have a. Glass of vino and a, can, and a. You can let me know towards Christmas, will you? I will, and a slice of cake. Have a lovely okay. weekend, Nancy. Mind yourself. You too, Neil. I love you the best. I love hearing from you again. All right. God bless for now. Take care. Bye bye, Neil. That's bye the bye lovely bye Nancy Clark. Her little book is called My Life of Wine, Roses, and Mental Cruelty. There's a book in all of us where there's a will, there's a way. You know, the way it is with books now, you can just go and get them self published yourself. And there's many companies that will do it, do it for you. Now, unfortunately, a lot of this here will have to wait until Monday because they're going to kick me out of this here place very quickly. So we got a free Food Friday winner for this week. I'm just waiting for it to appear on the screen. There it is. It is Amari Ireland Limited on the Tremor Road or our winners of Free Food Friday today. I uh, hope there's a good bunch of them because I'm looking for a big cheer and a big shout out after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 
on 0818-104-106. Red FM. Okay, on Monday, final selection of texts from the last couple of days. I'll read them out because many people have gone to a huge effort. Before I love you and leave you for the day, we need to big up our own. And well done and congratulations to Killian Murphy, who won Best Drama Performance at the UK's National Television Awards in London last night for Peaky Blinders. I'm a huge fan of Killian Murphy. I love Peaky Blinders. People were warning me not to bother watching the last series of it because they said that it wasn't great. I thought it was absolutely the best of all of the series. They're going to do another film now, a two-hour film of Peaky Blinders, just to wrap up everything. But the last series of it was on, but off the charts with brilliance. The guy is just a genius. Meanwhile, one thing that I couldn't watch. How many of you are watching Jeffrey Dahmer? We watched like 10 or 15 minutes of the first episode. I couldn't take it. It's just way too dark. I don't need that kind of thing in my life. But yet it tops the Netflix charge. Anyway, your thoughts on that? We might chat about it uh, on Monday. Can I just say to everybody, uh, to Julia and all of the gang at the Cork Foyer in Blackpool, we have you sorted. Mark O'Donoghue, the governor at Rooster Piri Piri, just gave us the thumbs up and he said he'd be absolutely delighted to sort you all out for food. An extra special free food Friday this week for the work that you're doing, Julia, for those that otherwise would be homeless, young people aged up to 25, giving them a life and giving them a chance in life. And fair play to you, take a bow. So that's sorted for you. I'm happy to say you're going to get uh, three trays of medium wraps, three trays of medium chicken burgers, uh, two trays of gourmet beef burgers, a tray of medium wings, portion of skewers, trays of chips, portions of rice, coleslaw, cheesecake, the whole shooting match. So that's all sort of for you. But our official Free Food Friday winner for this week is all of the staff at Amari Ireland on the Tremor Road. Let's see if they're listening. Shirley texted in. Shirley, good morning. Good morning. That's what I'm talking about. What is it that you guys do at Amari? We sell stainless steel. All right. So is there many of, is there many of you there? There's 10 of us, and we're getting customers ringing in saying they want to join us. <laughs> the word's gone out then that lunch is on the right. way, Shirley. Yeah. You, you, yeah, when you put us onto the ads, then after announced it and you put us onto the ads, they started ringing. I can we're hear the phones. Ringing. I can hear yeah. the phones going now. Well, listen, I'm delighted for you. Thanks for being loyal listeners. Delighted yeah. that you won. Give us the biggest cheer and start, start the weekend for us with a big hoo-ha. <laughs> That'll do nicely. Have a great weekend. Lunch Thank is on the way. Again. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Roosters, Perry, Perry, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. Happy to have them on board. They're more than generous. Have a good weekend. I'll see you Monday. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.